We're rolling. We're rolling. All right, Mariah Owen. Hi. Welcome to Going Again Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're stoked to have you. This is so cool. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, Mariah, we'll just straight up start with who you are, what you do, where it sort of started. Um, You know, from acting to exec producing and athleticism and all the stuff all the stuff okay yeah. uh uh so hey i'm mariah uh i'm an actor filmmaker writer producer director uh, i started my production company uh almost six and a half years ago and i've had films at south by Sieges, uh can kind of all over and it can be my work can be on uh netflix amazon cbc um yeah i i just i want to make movies for the rest of my life and then incredible Okay, great. Now that that's over, let's I'm talk like, about I, your dad's motorcycles. Yeah, let's talk about my dad's motorcycles. They're so much cooler than me. <laughs> now that sounds about exactly like us. That's incredible. We want to make movies for the rest of our lives. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so how, did, how did it all get started? Where, I, I, where, where are you from? I'm from Toronto. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, when I'm asked with that question, I'm like, I don't know where to start. Like, I grew up doing improv. My, my actual first job ever was modeling. I was two and a half days old. So I literally was born and went right to work. They, they, just, they just slide you down the runway. They, they did actually. They like hot potatoed me onto onto set, um, and then um, yeah, I, I modeled for a really long time. Um, and then when I was kind of around thirteen, I was getting very involved in sports. I grew up doing gymnastics, then got into ski racing, and then got into cheerleading. Which I know we have a lot of mutual friends in the stunt world. Yeah, um, yeah. Because a lot of them were cheerleaders as well. And um, I was on Team Canada for cheer, and I've competed you know, all over. And um, I kind of came to a point where I was doing improv and kind of given up modeling, but loved performing so much, but never really thought it was going to be a career path for me. Right. And um, I ended up graduating high school early. I went to U of T thinking I was going to be a sports medicine doctor. So glad I'm not that. Hmm. Um, And uh, even though those are important and needed. Sure. um, I was just kind of doing improv on the side and you know, thinking like, oh, maybe when I'm older, I could do this. But um, unfortunately, halfway through my undergrad, one of my really good friends and teammates passed away. So I took a year off of school. And um, yeah, his name was Garfield. And he was amazing. It was actually his birthday on Monday. And um, yeah, my dad was like, well, you can't just sit at home and be sad. Like, what are you going to do? And I was like, well, uh, I'm not really sure, you know. And he's like, why don't you go back to Second City? So I went back to Second City, and I did the improv program and the comedy writing program, and I loved it. You did that. Sweet. Yeah, I did that. My mother, uh, when when I was really young, uh, me and my mother used to do improv at Second City. And then as I grew up, I went and did uh, the writing comedy and all yeah. the sketch stuff. Yeah. I loved I, I it. knew you would look at her. I knew. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a rule breaker. Um, but that's amazing you did that. So you, you as you know, part of the graduation, mm-hmm. you write a show for the main stage. And um, I just loved it. I was like, this is so cool. Like, how can I do more of it like this? And and kind of be on the, you know, behind the scenes side of it. Mm-hmm. And so I started PAing and I was doing um, social media kind of like here and there uh, as like a side hustle, if you will, in college. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I can get an agent. So I, I got an agent. I was starting to audition, started doing social media for some of the larger actors on that roster. And um, wow, yeah, it was really cool. I was like 20 years old doing some pretty wild, pretty wild stuff. And um, 
uh, got asked to be a social media producer for a web series, and I had no idea what that meant, so I just said yes. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and so, I think that happens geez. a lot in this business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, kind of just worked my way up from there, and then it got picked up by Bell. And um, can we ask what series? What it, it was called IRL. So IRL the series. So it was um, in real is, life. In real life. Yes. Uh, what year is this? Like twenty. 14, 2014, 2015. And um, I I didn't really necessarily, it's kind of hard for me to, oh, now that I said that, I didn't have the, it was a different experience for, for me on that. And I think I thought like, okay, maybe I can do this a little differently and I can maybe treat people a little differently. And so um, I tried a short for, with my friend from college and it, it did well, it was non-union. And I was like, okay, did another one. Mm. And then I thought, okay, I want to work with union actors. I want to, you know, make it a little bit bigger and see you know what that entails and um shout out to actra shout out to actra (laughs) and i went to their website and i was like oh i could do this i could do that okay great like i'm so ready and i remember going into actra and being like i want to do an actra tip the toronto indie production which they don't have anymore and i was like i'm ready to shoot this next week and they're like that's so not how it works (laughs) (laughs) and um so, you know, I became incorporated, but I wasn't a member of CMPA, which is the Canadian Media Producers Association. Yeah, we're members. Yep. Amazing. And, um, yeah, I didn't know anyone who was. And I asked another actor who asked a writer, who asked a director, who asked another producer up in Ottawa to meet with me. And he met with me, he ended up referring me to the CMPA. I did my short. And then just every project from there tried to do a little bit bigger and better and and all the things. And it's quite clear that you have gone much bigger, much better, and even uh, in terms of the time frame, uh, you're now doing f- full-length features and, you know. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's wicked. It's it's pretty, it's cool. Um, I, I mean, my first feature, MFA, premiered at South by Southwest in 2017, and um, that kind of opened a lot of doors for me, and I'm, you know, still wanting to do bigger things and bigger budgets, but, you know, still still learning all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I heard on some on an interview or something that you were the youngest exec in Hollywood. Is that true? Okay, so no, I don't think it is anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. But when I uh, it was started with MFA because I was 21 when I uh, uh, did MFA, so I produced and acted in MFA. And um, at South by, I was the youngest EP on any of the features there. And then uh, it was another outlet. I think it was Broadway World. And they, they they called me that as the youngest DP in Hollywood. And then that's been like a tagline. And huh. um, I'm, I'm 28 now, so I'm definitely not the youngest DP. Yeah, anymore. you're getting really old. I'm, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> you're, and you're getting younger. It's so weird. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's incredibly wild. So take us, through, um, take us through the steps of producing a feature for all the 21-year-olds that want to do it. Wow. Yeah, I... I think so much of it was saying yes and then figuring it out on the go, which mm-hmm. is probably, I mean, that doesn't work in every situation of, of life, obviously. Um, but having a strong skill set of, I think, coming from sports and being a teammate for so long and just being like, okay, we got to figure this out. Like, you know, who do I want to work with? Who do I want on my team? And then if I don't know something, ask. You know, like there's no um, there's no value in pretending to know something that you don't and then failing yeah i've worked with a lot of filmmakers that do that yeah and totally. it's, it's hard you know <clears throat> so instead just kind of being more honest of being like okay i have this idea or you know as a producer this other person has this idea i want to support them 
um, what do we need? Like, okay, do we need a director? Okay, well, who who do we want to work with? Like, who who can we afford? Or who, you know? Sure. And in any of those cases, like, the power of a cold email goes so far. The amount of people that I've just cold emailed and either set up a meeting with or, or something. So I think I would suggest that. I mean, every feature is so different, obviously, as you guys know. But um, I would say, you know, just ask, like throw the spaghetti on the wall. More often than not, people respond totally. in a healthy w- manner. Yeah. Right? Even if it's not exactly what you want, it seems like it's uh, a door to perhaps something else. Yeah. They can right. always turn you on to somebody. Totally. Besides not so a- I have a question. You said something earlier that, that mm-hmm. kind of stuck with me and I have to ask. <clears throat> you did the the uh, online series. Yeah. What was it called? In Real, in real Life? In Real Life. Yeah. IRL. IRL. Yeah. Um, and then you did your short because, yeah. and you said you wanted to treat people differently. Yeah. So was the IRL experience and the way people were treated not favorable? Uh, I don't like, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. It just was a different experience. And I think for me at, at 20, it was not the experience that I thought it would be. And there's I, a lot of my friends are some of the actors that I met on that. But I think for me, it inspired me to be a, a to be a, a different leader in that way as a director and as a producer. I love that. As okay. a filmmaker. Yeah. yeah. So I thought that might might be where it was yeah. going. <clears throat> but I wanted to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm and and when I started my production company, it's called GTE, which stands for Jerry, as in my grandpa, and Turner, Garfield Turner, my friend that passed away. Um, you know, wow. b- both of them were two guys who just really believed in people and would bring out the best in people and make you feel comfortable. And so moving forward when I got to that stage, I was like, okay. If I'm going to do this, like I want everyone that works to feel that, like to feel valued and to feel comfortable and to feel like um, we're a team. Well, I love that. And yeah. that's the way it should be. It should be, yeah. Um, you should be fostering confidence totally. uh, in everyone around you. Yeah. And hiring people who are better at it than you. Totally. I, you know, yeah. <laughs> go make my movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> or like, okay, I believe in you. Like, you have great skills. I'm going to let you do your job. Like that's like 100%. so much. That's how it should be. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And we all know, we've all had experiences where that's not I, been I, the case. Yeah. Big I, time. I uh, took a meeting with a production once and uh, after I left, yeah. after me being me and telling them how to do their job, yeah. um, the producer called me and said, I don't have the job. You can't have it. Because the director mm-hmm. told me he doesn't want anyone on set that knows more about filmmaking than him. What? No, no kidding. Doesn't make any sense, does it? No. It's awful. And at the end of the day, we're just making movies. We're having, we're supposed to be having fun. Totally. You know? Yeah. Hey, same with podcasting. <laughs> Hell yeah. We're having fun. Yeah, we're just here because <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So that first experience shooting your first feature, mm-hmm. was it incredible? It was awesome. Yeah, awesome. It was really cool. It felt like it was my film school because I, mm-hmm. I didn't go to film school. I went back to U of T. Uh, not for sports medicine, but for English and cinema, so film history. Mm-hmm. And so I felt when I did MFA, I got to learn from all of these amazing people who I've, again, worked with um, multiple times. And um, yeah, I felt like it was my film school just because I was surrounded by people who were who knew more than me. Everything, <laughs> so. everything you do is letters. Inter- yeah, you know what? There's, yeah. There are a lot of letters. Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I, I guess now I have full... You know, full titles. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to remember them all. <laughs> I'm just going to recite the alphabet. When I, uh, Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so what, what what was TO WebFest, and do you still do it, or is it still a thing? It's still totally a thing. It's uh, a web series, a festival dedicated to web series and podcasts. Just a minute, so you, what's it called? 
T O Web Fest. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, it's a a great festival. I think it's going to be in its ninth or tenth year this coming year. And so I was on the board, which was then called IWCC, the Independent Web Creators of Canada, and now it's Web Series Canada. But they put on T O Web Fest. Okay. Um, and so in 2019, I was executive producer and director of industry programming. So got to package really cool programming for the festival. And it was at the Tiff Bell Lightbox. And, um, really yeah, cool. that is cool. cool. Podcasters, you should check it out. And we so this, this yeah. is still a thing. We both wrote it down. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're still involved. I, I'm not, some, okay. I, I'm supportive of the, uh, of the festival. Absolutely. Sure. But, um, I'm consulting for couple other festivals right now uh for industry programming which is something that i love um i love you know i I think being a filmmaker and obviously you understand you know you have a better insight as to what you want to learn so when you you know are thinking of programming and be like oh what do i want to learn like who would i want to talk to and then from there cold emailing that person um and you know having that as either a fireside chat or a panel at a festival that's what we did, and that's why you're here. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. love it. <laughs> okay, so now let's uh, come up to today. Um, what has changed uh, in terms of going from shorts uh, to full-length features? How did did those shorts get you here? It get you your funding, get you things. Is that what did you build? It's kind of weird because I feel like I've gone back and forth between features and shorts, features and shorts. Like this summer, uh, I just did a new feature called Scrambled. Uh, it's, a, it's a comedy about egg fertility. My friend Liam McKendrick, who I did my first feature with, MFA. That's a great title. Um, <laughs> um, so she wrote Scrambled based on her own experience with freezing her eggs. And so it's a comedy where she freezes hmm. her eggs and goes back and revisits her past relationships and really kind of asks certain questions like, you know, do I want to be a mom? Like... Would I, would that person have been a good dad? Like, you know, there's Mm. like, what, what does my relationship Hmm. look like? Or, you know, all of that. Um, but in the same breath, I, during COVID, I did a short that I wrote, directed, produced and starred in that's on CBC gem. So that opened, I think some more doors for me. So I still play back and forth in that. Like I, I think as a producer jumping from shorts to features was like a very normal thing you build in that career. But for me as a filmmaker and a director writer I kind of had to go back to doing shorts to figure out what I wanted to say before leaping towards my next feature and what's the name of that short it's called disconnected so it's not an acronym I'm sorry yeah I'm gonna what does that <laughs> DC. mean <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's very cool mm-hmm. um oh my god I just I was gonna ask some based on that. <laughs> this happens a bit that's okay yeah yeah but i would say like i still jump back and forth between the two i mean shorts it, it you're so limited you know like obviously you make a short it goes to festival it goes to festivals if you're lucky you can get some distribution for it but usually you're not making any money back on right. a short um you know another another project that was a short was pamela and ivy which is a poison ivy origin story i did with my friend leah um and that that opened doors for us, and it was a short film, too. So it, it depends. I think hmm. it just depends on what you want to say. Like, if you're stuck in a particular genre, like, maybe go make a short so that people can see that you can do it and use it more as a calling card. Right. Um, and who funds your shorts? How do you do it? So there's private equity. I've also funded some of my own shorts um, and used money from other projects to fund those. Um, and then investors. So I, I haven't typically been... Um, 
I like I hate to say like I'm not a fit for telefilm, but I'm usually the stuff that I make is not a fit for telefilm. It's not a fit for I, IPF or you know. So um, I hope so. Maybe moving forward, but typically. So, so why not? There's a lot of young people out there trying to make movies, and they they think of telefilm and all the funding. Totally. So why are you not a fit, and how could you I, be? I think I, I work a lot with Americans, <clears throat> okay. so that's that that's a huge huge factor, and just in where we're filming and the different tax credits. Like, you know, I've utilized Arizona's and California's and New York's tax. Oh credit. wow! Can you do that as a Canadian citizen, or are you an American citizen? I have no one. So if you have a, a work permit, mm-hmm. you could do that, um, and I. I totally lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, we're funding. Funding. Oh, funding or right. using the with, states yeah, individual. With, um, with telefilm, it's, I, I think just at the beginning, I didn't necessarily have a distributor on board. I didn't have a broadcaster on board. I didn't know any anybody at that time. And and typically when, when I first started and I was taking meetings, I was 21. And so then the person at telefilm, you know, great person, but said to me, we'll work with you in a couple of years. Like you're just not ready. So then that same year, I did MFA and it went to South by. I saw them at South, and then I saw them at the festival. They're like, oh, we can set up a meeting. It's like almost because I got a check mark from somebody sure. else that they then wanted to. What a shame. Yeah. So I, and I, I think now, um, just at a point where like I have some really great investors that I can go to or, you know, di- different deals. Scrambled was just bought globally by Lionsgate. Like, wow. it's just like a different, it's just different. You know, yeah. and I'm not saying like I would love to. And Telefilm is so wonderful and has been a, a you know a sponsor at uh, other events and festivals I've produced. I was you know, selected for IPF producer bursary at Banff World Media Festival in 2020. You know, so I, I know those. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but like so I have good relationships and I think they're really wonderful. I just think that the stuff that I'm making right now or that I have made just hasn't been a fit. You know, yeah. like. My first feature, like, and going back to that, was a vigilante thriller about campus rape. Not a lot of people wanted to give money to that, you know. Like, I it's see. In yeah, the which they changed. should have. They should have, but you know, prior to 2017, we filmed this in 2016. The world, like the Me Too movement, hasn't hadn't happened. You know, people still hmm. were really hesitant um, and not sure of how it was going to work. Um, and I, I think a lot of projects that I've done have had different subject matters that people are like. I don't really know how it's going to go, but good luck. <laughs> so, and I think because of that. Um, Do you find the Americans are more risk taking? Totally. Totally. Yeah. That's my experience. Yeah. I think, I think Canada as a country and every industry were so risk adverse. Um, but yeah. And I, I think I, I'm just really grateful that there were people that did say yes to me or took a chance on me and they, most of them came from the U S so. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And how many emails were you putting out before you got those yeses? A lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's an MFA actually was a cold email to me, which was cool. So um, hmm. Leah emailed me uh, a couple months before we ended up shooting. And she was like, hey, I'm a female filmmaker. If you're looking for a film, choose mine. She found me online and seen some of my stuff. And um, it's one of my favorite stories to tell because I honestly thought it was a scam. It went to my Hotmail account because I guess when I signed up for IMDb Pro, like all those years ago, I only had a Hotmail account. I didn't have my production company. Oh, that's mm. interesting. And um, <laughs> so I got this email to my hotmail account and i sent it to my agent and i was at characters at the time and i was like do you think this is real like i think this is a scam this sounds so cool there's all these cool people involved like why is she emailing me <laughs> and um you looked at her again i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> and um <clears throat> uh yeah and it was not a scam and we did the movie and it was a really really wonderful experience so so this leah she was looking for a producer 
Yeah. And she, she like, just cold called you. And- yeah, cold emailed. So she uh, had seen some stuff on on uh, online and then through IMDb Pro, she put in certain parameters and um, was looking for female executives and found me through there and then cold emailed me to my Hotmail account. And now she's one of my best friends. We uh, make a bunch of movies together. That's a trip. Cool. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the times and subject matter, um, you have an Iranian film coming? So uh, I I uh, was CMPA mentor and EP on Toronto. So I, okay. yeah, that was a cool opportunity. I never got, I was never on set. Um, but a uh, wonderful producer, Jackie, she messaged me and she was like, hey, we really need someone with a CMPA uh uh, we need a CMPA mentor. Would you be interested? This is the film. This is what we're trying to do. Sent me everything. And um, hmm. if someone hadn't had said yes to me, sorry, there's a fly, um, hadn't said yes to me or um, given me that opportunity, I wouldn't be able to do half the stuff that I, what I'm doing. So I usually say yes to a lot of the CMPA mentor stuff, which is basically you lend, as you know, you lend your number uh, and you are responsible, <laughs> you know, if anything does go wrong, which is a little nerve wracking, but um yeah wow was just there more so as a support and more to you know if hey how do i do this contract or hey how do i do this or what do you do in this situation so it was more of a mentorship situation like i can't take credit for actually like day-to-day producing that film okay um i love the title yeah very very cool so uh and it's still doing the festival circuit and yeah really exciting cool yeah it's kind of neat interesting and it shot we just you just shot out in toronto yeah they shot they they did yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. What can you tell me? What it's about? I want to. I want to save this for, for yeah, Jackie yeah. to come on and do Copy, it. Sure, yeah, because I feel I like I'm very happy and, and proud, but I also feel badly because I shouldn't say badly. I didn't do the producing work on that. I understand. I just yes. helped open a door, and she ran. It's through. so neat. Yeah, well, we'll it looks have, good. We'll, we'll yeah. have to cold email Jackie. Yeah, I, yeah. You know what? I will even put you in an email to Jackie because she's really friggin' cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good. We have another guest in queue. Yeah, yeah there you yeah, go. Right God going again is going to go again. Yeah, Ooh, yeah, baby. <laughs> love it. Love it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I watched uh, Daddy's Playground yesterday. You did yeah. on no budge. Just no. I uh, on YouTube. YouTube. Oh, on YouTube. Oh, there you go. Very yeah, cool. I, now you're like, why is it just on YouTube? I was what like, the hmm. fuck is? It? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. was that was super neat and pretty gritty and yeah, I like your style. Thank and, you. You know, and I even I watched the trailer to MFA and I was yeah. gonna I was gonna rent it last night. I was fucking tired, but that's okay. Um, but it looks great. Thanks. It looks great. You got some great stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Who shot MFA? Uh, so MFA uh, was directed by Mitch Delquetis. So and and shot uh, Ashley Morgan, Bonnie Mata, who both. Um, they produce, wrote, and star in the film. They play uh, Teddy and Rose. And I met Ashley, and we've collaborated on a lot of projects, but I met her because her cousin was the lead in my first feature. And um, hmm. we met at, at, at South By. And she was like, hey, can I send you some stuff? And I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and um, she sent me a bunch of stuff, and Daddy's Playground was one of them. And um, I was just drawn to that project. It's uh, you know obviously about sugar babies and sugar culture, and uh, I haven't participated in it, but I find it fascinating. A lot of my friends in school um, at U of T, or even friends that you know went to school at UCLA and, and NYU, uh, were sugar babies in order to pay for their education. Jesus. So it was like a crazy topic that I was like, this is so fascinating. Like, what? You yeah. know? Yeah. Okay. So 
Um, color me ignorant. What's a sugar baby? That's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they, there's a variety. They don't necessarily have to be super young girls with older men, but it's typically a, a mutually beneficial relationship with some type of financial... Well, that's interesting. Yeah, financial deal. So they're not always romantic relationships, but they, they can be platonic or like mentorship style. But the majority of them have, you know, sex is some type of currency between the two. Um, yeah, and it's kind of fascinating and kind of crazy. It's not just there's, you know, not just sugar daddies or sugar mamas and like re- like learning about it through um, their experiences because our, our two writers um, and they're very open about it. Both they both went to uh, Berkeley and um, were sugar babies at school for them too. Wild. So they had their own experiences, and um, that was such a, a crazy fun project. Like we we shot that really guerrilla style. Like we were, you know, downtown LA shooting on some rooftops, and you know, um, no permits. I was going to ask about that because uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I saw some of the rooftop scenes and thought, uh, is that is there a, a green screen CGI? Nope, that was all real. Wow, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> crossing your fingers. Cool. Um, but yeah, and that that was a really fun project too, and started you know some conversations and went to Holly Shorts and Mammoth, and um, we went uh, where you should find us on No Budge, but you can also find us on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not okay. bad. <laughs> That's okay. It's but. good for her to know that it's out there. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it was cool. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like how you shoot. It's just, it looks good. It's gr- I like the grittiness. Thank you. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Investors, um, huh? Yes. Yep. It had a bit of a... American, Canadian. American. There you go. Yeah. It had a feeling of like a less CGI'd version of like Sin City. That's how it felt. Ooh, everyone's going to love that. It kind of vibed. It, yeah, it sort of had that vibe to me. Awesome. There were moments that really felt Sin yeah. City-ish, for sure. Amazing. It was cool, yeah. Thanks. Oh, I'm glad you liked that as a compliment. I'm yeah. glad that was a compliment. Well, no, it's very stylistic, right? And I think that's like that's what we were going for and to kind of show like the dark underbelly of this, you know, that culture. Do you have like a genre? I was going to ask the same question. I love, I, I mean, I guess... I'm trying to expand now, and I, I promise my parents I'm going to make a happy movie soon. It just hasn't <laughs> happened yet. There's like a, a lot of like killing and uh, revenge. Um, but I think uh, psychological thrillers are my favorite. Um, but that being said, like I love Step Brothers. Like I love really good comedy too. I I, sure. I just haven't done one yet. <laughs> but everybody loves laughing and loves it's comedy. True. And that doesn't mean that they necessarily know how to uh, uh, create it or or mm-hmm. or that the interest in creating something like that is there. But totally. Yeah. No, sales-wise, uh, sales the mm-hmm. psychological thriller would sell around the world because it's all it it speaks to all languages. Right. Where the comedy is not going to do that. That's true. It's very true. And there's such a huge market for horror, psychological thriller, and yeah. um, that was such an interesting like my first time with. And I keep going back to MFA because it was my film school, you know, and it was so independent and um, you know learning about sales agents and selling per country versus doing, you know, all media, because even if you sell all media, that might just only be four countries, Mm -hmm. you know, doesn't mean that they're actually going to go independently to each country to make a sale versus with MFA. We did because we were low budget and, um, you know, did you do that yourself or did you use a sales agent? We ended up using a sales agent after, after self buy. 
Um, and that was really cool though, to get to learn and, and Shin Simisoa, who was a producer on MFA, he's one of my mentors and favorite people in the world. Um, I've learned so much from him and I I met him on that project and would be like, how do you do that? (laughs) Like, what does that mean? And, um, you know, and, and just got to learn so much. Uh, and, and he, he comes from the horror world. Um, and you know, he, he just did the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he's like a horror dude. (laughs) And, um, you know. I, I've just I've learned so much, and I, I think for that genre, like I, those are the stories I'm, I'm typically interested in. I would say, like I, um, I'm gearing up for my new feature that I wrote. And hope, well, I wrote, directed, and or wrote, direct, and will produce. I don't know if I'm going to act in it yet. It's called Grace, but it's a psychological thriller about a girl in high school who starts showing the signs of being a serial killer. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that is. How old would the girl be? She's 15. Oh, that's interesting. So now, oh, I can't give it away. I know. We can talk about it later. Yeah, okay, because I want to know. (laughs) We're both writers, so that's, but I find it fascinating that Mm -hmm. that's a good story. Yeah, thank you. That's a neat idea. That's cool. Yeah, so I'm excited in that. Like, I've had that on the back burner for so long, and um, I think it's, you know, when you do so many different things, like you, you guys do a million different things. You have a million different interests. It's so easy to put something on the back burner and be like, oh, I'll do this when I have time. Sure. But I was like, no, I want to make time for it. Like as much as I'm a producer and I love my production company and doing projects like Toronto, you know, and, um, you know, helping other filmmakers, I also want to greenlight my own stuff and, and tell my own stories and, you know, do that. So. Well, in some regard, I would imagine that being a producer, though though you're uh, developing a film, you're not necessarily in part of the creative part or or yeah. maybe lesser than, than if you're directing and writing. Totally. I, I think, like, I, I really think of myself more so as a creative producer, um, especially in projects where I'm actively producing, like, boots on the ground. I love that. Like, I, I love bringing the team together. I love, you know... Um, I, I love all of that, but it, definitely, I agree. At the end of the day, you know, you're more likely to say no as a producer than you ever are to say yes. You know, you have a budget to abide by. You have mm-hmm. people that you're mm-hmm. contractually obligated to. There's, you know, so many more um, boundaries. Now, I've heard that, um, I mean, I was once watching a, a panel in Santa Monica of a bunch of producers, and they were talking about how so many people get a budget and then they miss mm-hmm. Things like post or they miss uh, then even marketing and advertising and some of the other things. Uh, how, totally. how much of that takes up the budget? I think it depends on the film. But truly, even for a short, like I, I would say to everyone, try and add in, if you can, like, you know, 500 to 1,000 bucks just for film festivals. You know, um, and it depends on your short. Like if you have a bigger short, uh, increase that budget because film festivals add up. You know, like even as soon as one gets one, the next one hears it. Totally. It might not even be enough, but I'm saying for a first time filmmaker. Right. If you're doing a little short, like if you're doing a short for 10K, like and you're fresh out of film school, you probably don't have a lot of access to funds and you probably aren't going to get, you know, um, a a grant. You might get a Canada, uh, Canada art. Council Grant or uh, Ontario Arts, the Toronto Arts, all mm. of those. But you don't know. You know, there's a handful of those every single year. So if you only have 10K, you really want to push that as far as you can. Um, I, I would try and, you know, add in a little bit of money. But obviously, if you have a, if you're doing a project that's 30K, well, maybe you want to put in five grand. Like, it, you know, a publicist is usually four grand a month for a minimum of three months. So. Yeah. It, it, just, hmm. it, it depends on your numbers, right? But for a first-time filmmaker, I would definitely say, like, at least put that aside because then you can be really selective about the festivals that you're going to. And then, you know, 
I think for me, my first short, like looking back at it now, I love it and I'm proud of it, but I had, I was submitting to like TIFF and Tribeca and we no Mm. way, no way, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, and so I I think just kind of thinking, okay, what are like the mid, mid tier festivals that, you know, would get my, my project seen and aren't going to, you know, cost me a kidney. And there are so many of them there, and you can find like go they're to, everywhere. Yeah, and go to. Film and the benefit way. today is that you don't have to put it in a can and send it or take it. Totally, <clears throat> it's digital. Yeah, it's all digital, um, and you, um, you go on Film Freeway and, and do yeah. some of the ones that are Oscar uh, Oscar qualifying or CSA qualifying, and from there, you know, if they get into two, well, you can submit them to CSAs if you want to. Like there, there's just you know, I I think the game. I don't know why everyone's like so hidden about it. Like I wish someone said to me like, oh, you could do this. And I'm like, oh, wow. So now I I just, I I try and help other people. That's nice. I love it. And you're doing that here right now. I mean, people are going to listen to this. This is a huge education, huge education. Just being as, as young as you are and having accomplished what you've accomplished and listening to your passion and your ambition, which has clearly gotten you a long way. Thank you. You're going to get a lot of cold Thanks. emails. Good. Yeah. I bring them on. Just my, my, the one that I hate the most is how do you produce? <clears throat> oh, right. God. Like, do yeah. not. I'm sure you guys get this all the time. How do you do stunts? Or like, right. how do you yep. get into stunts? And you're like, go away. Like, <laughs> yeah. like come back. And, you know, I, I, and I'm not trying to limit people. But if you're going to ask someone a question, like, think about it first. No one's just going to, you know, if you're like, okay, I, I took this class and I'm just really not sure how to get started. Like, you know, that's a very different question than just like, give me all the knowledge that you, you know, learned from blood, sweat, and tears for the last however many years, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, so being really intentional with your question and being like, like the question that I was really asking during COVID to a lot of people that I look up to or, and and people, most of them I were people I knew at this point. I was like, I feel like I'm really stuck between like, I'm at the top of one tier and I just can't really break into the next one. And I don't know how, like, what do you suggest for that? And some of the conversations were really interesting. And I had a friend say to me, like, well, what what do you want to do long term? Like, what's the end game goal? And I was like, well, I want to have my production company. And he's like, well, you're doing that. And I was like, well, and I also want to be a creator. And he's like, OK, well, what are you creating? And I was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> you know? And so then made made my short. And and, and I am in post on another one before doing this feature and um you know, I think it's not like I went to him and I was like, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I was like, I really thought about it. And I'm like, I'm at this level where I know most of the players, but I'm not in the next level of the players that I want to be in the room with. Like, mm-hmm. how do I get there? What do I do? Um, yeah. So I think, you know, the power of cold email. So hopefully if I get cold emails, think about them first. <laughs> and I happen to know two really talented stunt coordinators that love doing psychological thrillers yeah hell yeah oh my god are, i are, do are, are they sitting across from me right now i think one of them is oh, yeah Ooh. at least one of them <laughs> awesome yeah that's so fun um did did your athletic career get you here at all did it do anything i think so totally i think being an athlete teaches you so much and i think you know um, my mom's a gymnastics coach and my dad loves sports. My dad, you know, plays hockey four times a week. So I grew up in a really athletic family. Um, but I think being an athlete, you know, teaches you so much, teaches you how to show up, you know, get up, show up, be there for your teammates, go somewhere when you don't want to push through things. Um, and I imagine it's so difficult that doing everything else seems relatively simple in comparison. Honestly. Yeah. Like I, I, it's, hmm, that's interesting. I, I feel like being an athlete just, 
I just learned so much and it's still such a part of who I am. And um, my last year competing at Worlds was 2016. And I still think about it. I'm like, oh, maybe I have one more year in me. Maybe I could go back, you know. And this is the cheering thing? Yeah, for cheerleading. Yeah. This is where everybody's on stage and they throw each other up in the air and do flips and stuff? Yes. It's, so it's a, I love the way that you describe it, just like my dad. Um, <laughs> I'm still picturing your dad taking his hockey gear to the arena on his triumph. Yeah, see, yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, but uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, you know, it's a two and a half minute routine that um, you, you compete. There's stunts, there's dance, there's tumbling, there's uh, pyramids, all of that. It's a combination. And um I love it. And it was such, it, you know, having the background in gymnastics to then go to cheerleading was mm-hmm. pretty, pretty fluid and pretty easy to transition into. And, um, I, I, I grew up, I grew up in that gym and, and then I would, you know, I kind of had to make the decision. I was getting to a point in ski racing where I was doing pretty well and I was doing really well in cheerleading. And I was like, uh, I don't know what, you know, what that's going to look like for me. And, um, just based on my body type alone, kind of knew that cheerleading was probably like cheer and gymnastics and tumbling were probably a better option for me than skiing, um, based on a lot of the highly competitive Hmm. skiers and, um, you know, I'm a a short, short girl and (laughs) not. So is what skiing is for taller people? Um, it just, I I think a lot of the skiers are a lot taller. They have a different body style, you know, like the same for me. I'm not, I, I might run a marathon one day in my life, but I'm not built like a runner. Um, and I think just for me, I felt like I, I didn't, not for me, I just didn't weigh enough. I couldn't gain enough muscle to, you know, I had great technique and I had great skill, but it got to a point where I just couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't grow any faster the way that other girls were. Oh, that's and, interesting. Um, so if you look hmm. at a lot, you know, we're just built differently. Like I, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So and yeah, I, 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 I didn't know like again, my ignorance, I, I'm, not that experienced with the cheerleading thing. Yeah. I've seen it on television mm-hmm. on like Wild World of Sports kind of stuff. Yep. Um, <clears throat> if Wild World of Sports is still a thing. But um, it's, to me, it, it seems largely American, um, uh, the cheerleading thing. So it happens here. Can you here. stop calling it a cheerleading thing? It's a sport, Randy. Okay. <laughs> I, I just got shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the cheerleading sport thank you is that what you call you it you can just call it cheerleading oh cheerleading it's yeah cheerleading. Oh, okay cool welcome to the world it's like hockey oh, wow. that <laughs> hockey thing yeah you know that hockey i'm gonna thing? start that, saying the harley bike put? thing i'm gonna be like oh you ride a bicycle <laughs> on your harley <laughs> okay so cheerleading to me uh, largely american um so it's canadian like it happens here totally a lot totally happens here and we have you know great why don't we know about it i don't know because cambridge is home to one of the best cheerleading gyms in the world the kips yeah uh well no not kips so kips is gymnastics okay but cheer sports sharks they, they've had a show on netflix they had a show before cheer uh <laughs> what's it called um all of a sudden now i can't remember their cheer their cheer show but it was on chorus no no what's the team oh called? cheer sports sharks and their their uh main team that is the like multi world champions are the great white sharks they're incredible from cambridge they're from Cambridge. Holy moly, where have I been? I don't know, because I've been in your Cambridge newspaper and everything. Oh, well, that, that means we have to go outside <laughs> to pick up the newspaper off the driveway. <laughs> People read that? But um, <laughs> I, I trained at PCT Cobras, which is a gym out of Mississauga. And um, I met a lot of the girls from Cambridge because we were on Team Canada together. Um, and so there's teams and gyms across the country. Uh, and that's all-star cheerleading. So that would be like your club team. Um, and we have our world championships in April and then, uh, team Canada's across the country and there's uh, world championships for that are also at the same time. Um, so yeah. 
Okay. So well, is your is your fifteen year old in your movie a cheerleader? No, she's not. I'm gonna make another cheerleading movie, though. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, I was gonna say there was we had bring it on, but come on, right? Like we need something gritty. We need something different, <laughs> something right? Crazy, yeah. 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 So we'll see. Something that appeals to a wider. Well, I just thought it'd be interesting if if the cheerleading team, uh, all those girls went across the country or wherever they go, yeah, and somebody always ends up dead in that city. Dun dun dun. Mm. Well, I think we have our new movie idea, guys. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Let's write that down. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Too funny. No, not maybe not. Well, hey, you never know. Honestly, it sounds like we got a we got a good good base to go off of. But it's true. I think sports really help shape people, and they definitely shaped me. And, and the yeah. team aspect of being yeah, on a team. Totally. Yeah, I think understanding how to like, I, like to uh, if you have a hobby or a sport or something, mm-hmm. and you understand growth. Yeah. Um, then you can kind of understand because the the film industry is always hurry up and wait constantly. We're always waiting for everything. And if you don't understand patience at all, good luck, right? right. Yeah. Um, but what about young people that don't necessarily have that? They're just straight up film wannabe, whatever, directors, producers, whatever it might be. And now they have to make those cold emails. Why is it so hard for people to do that? Why, like, why to, it- to be so courageous to pick up the phone to call somebody that perhaps they're intimidated by, perhaps they don't feel like they're allowed to be calling these people or emailing these people. Why is it that it people struggle? Yeah, your confidence is people. off the charts. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think people don't want to be shut down. No one wants to be rejected. No one wants to feel like an idiot. But that's like the only time you're going to feel like an idiot is like that's you telling me that, you know? Um, it's sort of the best part because that's the education in it all, right? Yeah. You get shut down and you, you kind of go, okay, well, I got to change the way I say things. Totally. I got to reiterate the way I write my emails. Not everyone thinks that way, though. <laughs> well, well, Mariah has already said this, that <clears throat> think about the question you want to ask. Like right. These young people. Mm-hmm. And, and be specific. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's the biggest thing. I think everyone, you know, um, especially my generation, and I'm already kind of worried for the generation behind me. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> you know, but to be so entitled and to feel like, people are going to give it to you. I think that's another thing, you know, like, um, I've always had it in this. It's not necessarily n- nice. Like I, I, you know, do believe everyone, everyone's special and everyone has their own thing. But like, I've always had the mentality of like, okay, I'm not special. Like work harder. Like you have to, you figure it out. You know why, you know, I'm selective with my time as should be the person I'm trying to talk to. So why would they want to talk to me if I don't bring anything to the table? Right. Like it's a two way street. You know, 100%. or maybe in like a four way street. I don't know how many people are involved, but you know, so I think just making sure, like, okay, you know, being honest, also being honest about where you're at, like to be, you know, hey, this is where uh, I just graduated film school, or like for me, I didn't go to film school. My parents aren't in the industry, but I'm doing XYZ, and I really would love to pick your brain about this. Like, how did you do this project, or whatever? Like, do your research. What's interesting about that is mm-hmm. that you didn't go to film school, mm-hmm. so you didn't go to university for film for two or three or four years. No. And have been held up uh, to be something special yeah. by fellow students and faculty. Yeah. So when you get out into the real world and you discover that that's not the way it works, then yeah. you fail yeah. and you give it up. Right. I know so many kids that went to film school and just stopped. Yeah. because it, you just, So you didn't right. go and you just decided to do it. Yeah. And from that, you gain confidence because each mm-hmm. step along the way... 
build you up. Totally. And it doesn't like there are doors slammed in like <coughs> doors in my face or people that, you know, will work with you in a couple years or another story that I love to tell is at Banff World Media Festival. Um, one of the heads of a very big studio, I sat down for a pitch meeting with him and I was so excited, but I sat down and he was like, does your mom know you're here? <laughs> like, you know, and I, I've told this story multiple times and I think it's so important for other people to hear because when you are young and you're trying to do stuff, you're going to get faced with that, you know, but now that's someone that I go to and I'm like, my last film just got bought by Lionsgate <laughs> and like, you know, and he's like, I'm so proud of you. Like you build those relationships based on how you, um, how you communicated back then or how you met those people. Mm-hmm. And I, I think just being open and, and, you know, I made a joke about it. I was like, yeah, she's outside with her four ways on. Like, you know, it, I didn't take it like a, like a hit, like it, nothing has to be so personal. I think that's the other thing why people are, you know, um, maybe a little reluctant to cold email cause they just don't want someone to shut them down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, I think I think overall <clears throat> the executives of, in the film business, producers, directors, whatever, um are intimidating to most people because it's beyond them. It's it comes on the television, it's on a big movie screen. Right. And people are intimidated. Um Richard Gere is in town making a movie right now. Cool. And the whole city is buzzing because Richard Gere is here. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm, I don't get it personally, <laughs> because we work in the business, so we know we can talk to these people. Right. That they're not beyond; they're just people. Totally. But for young people coming out of film school who haven't had that experience, it's yeah. difficult um, it's to true. approach people because they're intimidating. Right. And it's so interesting because I used to be so nervous and feel so intimidated by other executives and producers, and then. I kind of got to a point where I'm like, wait, they, they need content. They need artists. They need smaller. They producers. need you. Yeah. Like they, they, you know, it's, and, and it's not like every time you go into a pitch meeting, like they want you to succeed because they're hoping that you have a great idea that they can then bring to their bigger boss to then go make, you know, yeah, they're, not there, they they're not there <laughs> like, to turn yeah. you down. They're no. there to hope that you have something to bring them. And they're like, like crossing 100%. their fingers. Like, please be a good idea. Please yeah. be a good idea. You know, like they're on your side. They're rooting for you. They wouldn't take time out of their busy day to sit with someone that's probably going to waste their time. Exactly. You know? Totally. So I think that's another thing that just need, And I don't really know how to change that, to be honest, other than like young people growing up and working harder. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, but I also think that if you're going to ask somebody uh, any kind of question and you don't get uh, fully everything you wanted, at the same time, you kind of got to prove yourself. It's not their business yeah. to help you. It's uh, it's really your business to get your shit on the go. Totally. Um, you know, you should you should have to earn. I, I'm not saying that anybody should be denying anybody or being rude in no. return, but um, you know, if you want something bad enough, then you have to put in the effort anyway. Totally. Right. So speaking of effort, and I've brought this up in earlier podcasts. <clears throat> um, do you find, like, you can make a movie now because you have a, an iPhone. Yeah. Anybody can make film. You can go to Best Buy and get a little camera. Mm-hmm. Then you edit it on your computer. That said, there's a whole lot of garbage out there because people who should not be filmmakers are making films, if that, if you know what I'm saying. Right. Um, should not. <clears throat> yeah. The, um, you know, I don't care. Everybody can go make a movie. It'd go nuts. Yeah. But there was a time... And and I'm not sure you were part of that time <laughs> where we shot on film. Right. And we had to change magazines. 
And a director literally had to calculate his um, his footage, right. like uh, get a um, a ratio down that this is uh, like shoot this is what yeah, I yeah. yeah and and if you screw up, you may not have film for the last three days of your shoot. Right. And then when you're sitting in the editing bay and you have strips of film, you think about that cut for two days. Right. Whereas today, you sit in front of a computer and you think about that cut for two seconds. And then you can change it. Exactly. Exactly. So you you haven't thought through the process to begin with. Right. So now what you're doing is you're trying to assemble the film um, just on the fly and, and looking at it and go, oh, I like that one. Right. When in fact, that may not be the cut that you should have made. So do you find that um, young people are doing that? Like, I know I do. I go to work and I work with directors who are not prepared. I, go, yeah. I, I, it's crazy. And then you see a bunch of movies today and you go, why did they do that? Totally. I, I definitely think that it goes back to the material. Like if you're not, you know, hyper fixated or focused on the material, you know, whether that's the script or the pitch or whatever at that time, and you're not super clear, well, then how are your shots going to be super clear if you don't even know what you're talking, like what the story is? That's my point. That's my point. Yeah, totally. And so I totally agree with you on that. Um, I mean, I think it's also hard. Everyone's a filmmaker right now. You know, my mom made an Instagram story. She's technically a filmmaker. That's you know, like that's it, that the perspective of what we have, you know, and um, everyone you know, makes Instagram reels. You're now a filmmaker. You're, you're adding music, you're adding audio voiceover, your your photo, you know, everything. So it's so weird. Like we have such like a crazy pump out of content and yet for, and I, I hate like putting filmmakers above YouTubers because I work for Buffer Festival. It produced their award show as well, which is an amazing festival dedicated to YouTube creators. I have been so wrong about a lot of YouTubers and YouTube creation and a lot of them aren't filming on Aries or Minis, you know, they're, they're shooting on their phones or they're shooting on a DSLR, like, um, you know, and they're making incredible content. So it's like such a hard conversation to navigate because I think that like it, the biggest differentiation that I can think of is just people who are passionate and do their work and do their research. And then people who just got really lucky. And I don't mean that to be rude to other people, but like to show up on set, think about how many people they had to have, you know, impressed or someone had to give them a check mark to get there and then they show up on set and they're not prepared i'd be pissed Mm -hmm. you know and especially for what you guys do like you it's really dangerous the majority of the time in what you do Mm -hmm. you know so if your director's not prepared like oh oh, yeah sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to swear but like yeah you can fucking swear all the fuck you want want. oh wow thank you thank you so much (laughs) okay (laughs) you know we're not going to be on any youtube uh awards channel yeah i hope we hear your trashy mouth now (laughs) oh uh really really trash (laughs) (laughs) things are about to change (laughs) plot twist um but yeah i i mean that sucks that people are coming to set not prepared like i've I've heard that a lot especially you know i'm not at that level yet i'm not shooting episodes that are you know 20 million dollars like i that's not i think see what's happened is at at some point um uh you know there was a time back when when um there were only so many things shooting in toronto there was also not streaming services there were a lot less submissions actually going to camera let's say uh from hollywood 
Um, while there could have been maybe 200 every year at that time, there's probably a thousand now right. or whatever. Um, and I think at that time, um, you know, when, when there was like a tier A show and then there was a tier D or whatever you want to call it, tier D was when you went to set, you felt it, you know, people were learning, some people were green, some people were a little better, most people would help. Um, and then you go to tier A and everybody was like on top of shit all the time and whatever. Now I feel like the tier thing almost is like mixed tier A with tier B and D and C, whatever, uh, uh, this department and that department and, and everybody, because there's a lot going on. Right. The availability there's, of crews. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and there's every, so and much. Else. And then so people coming out of film school, they're getting perhaps, I don't know, I actually don't know who's getting these opportunities and who's not, but what it feels like is like brand new directors doing crazy things. Um, without the experience. Um, but there's also people on set standing next to them with that same green mentality. Yeah. Um, it's just, so yeah, in our part of the industry, um, it does become dangerous when, you know, like, yeah, when everything is now running thin, you know, it doesn't have the same substance right. that it once had. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Um, I, I used martial arts as, a, as an analogy. Okay. Um, when I was a kid, there was one karate school, and it was two cities away from me. Right. So I had to take two city buses just to go there when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. Now there's karate school on every corner. So this guy had black belt. This guy had 10. Those 10 guys started schools. They had 10 each. They started yeah. schools. They had 10 each. Yeah. So it spreads out, and everything gets thin. So the same thing happens in the film business, I can mm -hmm. imagine, in that... There's so much content being created. The experienced A-listers right. can't be on every show. So you have to start drawing from there. So what, what I'm finding in the stunt industry, and no offense to anyone, is that some people are insinuating themselves into the stunt coordinator position because right. they speak well in a meeting. And um, unfortunately, they don't have the experience... Um, and I hope to God no one gets hurt. But the producer that they're speaking to is also that person. Right. So that person really doesn't know how to vet the stunt coordinator's skills uh, to know that that person that's talking themselves mm -hmm. into a job is the guy for the job or gal. Totally. Um, so that's what's happening. And um, yeah, so it, it must, it goes throughout the entire business, but. Yeah, and it, it's really frightening to think about. I mean, I think about Rust. That's terrifying and horrific and, yeah. you know, never, ever, ever want that to happen. And you would think that people would do their due diligence a little bit more. Not that you have to wait for something horrific to happen in order to do so, but you would think that people would be like, okay, that, I, that can't happen again. Right. You know, so. You'd hope. Yeah. You'd really hope. Yeah. You know, we had um, Charlie Taylor on, who's a Toronto-based uh, uh, armor, uh, armor, yeah. gun wrangler guy, you know, um, best in the world, best in the world. Um, and he talked about this, you know, uh, I mean the rust thing, it happened on one set. There's a million of them yeah. everywhere, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, I'd heard that some of the guys that, uh, Charlie sends out have been asked, how are you going to tighten things up? How are you going to be safer? Yeah. As if they were the problem. Right, but they're not the problem. No, you know. But um, 
it is because of this thinning thing that I think you get into situations like that. Totally. You know, and yeah. I imagine as a producer, after, especially after Rust, that you would, y- yeah. y- you fear that kind of thing. You're you're very responsible. That's true. You know, what is your responsibility? Well, how do you like? Well, how do you feel? I, I I wouldn't really know. Um, as an executive producer, how how do you feel about that? In terms of like dealing with stunts and in difficult situations, or just in yeah, in I mean, as a, as I think in in yeah, in its entirety. I think I have a bit of a different upbringing. Like I think, especially regarding stunts or anything, even like I've I've shot with guns in multiple projects, but I also grew up. You know, I I I when I was twelve, I shot an Uzi. Like I sh- I've shot an MP5. Like there's, you know, I I grew up knowing the risks, and also like I'm not like it boggles my mind that there are people who don't have knowledge or don't respect that, and then accidents happen. Yeah. Um. And I also think, you know, growing up as an athlete, a lot of my friends are stunt performers. You know, I, um, I, I, I skied in Molly's game, and technically it was stunts. You know, like I, I've dipped my toe in that world. <laughs> That's but very cool. It's like, I, I think I just understand or have an appreciation or res- maybe respects the better word. So I think as a producer, when I'm dealing with things that are stunt related, I'm almost more hyper aware because there's so many people that I love who are involved in those areas. Um, but I think as a producer in its entirety, it's like, we got Like we make movies. We don't save lives. Like I say that all the time because it's true. Like we are literally making the thing that people like rush home to go watch or during the pandemic, everyone, you know, wasn't working. What did they do? They went home, sat down and watched the stuff that we worked on. So I think it's a responsibility to just like make sure people know what they're doing. And if they do that, great. Give them the tools and the other teammates that they need to go do that job and then check in you know, and not to be afraid, like, don't want to harp on anybody or, you know, um, micromanage, micromanage. Thank you. But to be like, Hey, do you have everything you need? Like, are we all on the same page? And instead of it being like, at least what I try to do instead of being like, okay, do you know what you're doing? It's like, walk me through the plan. Cause I don't get it. Even if I know, even if I do get it, I say that because you have to know to make sure everyone's clear and everyone's on the same page. Communication is obviously like one of the biggest roles Totally. In probably any situation ever. Yeah. You know. And as a producer, it's your job. You're the only person truly that's going to deal with every single department. Even a director. Like, yeah, a director might talk to Grip and Gaff, but it's not like they're having the conversations that we're having. You know? Yeah. Certainly. The director really doesn't have to speak to those people. No. And if he does, it's probably on a social level. Right. As opposed to professional because he's going to go through his DP and everybody else. Exactly. But a producer, you're you're responsible for communicating to every single department and to be like, okay, well, you know, has art communicated with, with the DP? Like, is, you know, whatever that might be, or costumes, like, um, it's your job. So I, I feel yeah. like that's how I, how I feel about it. It's your job to, like, protect the people that you work with and to make sure that people feel like they're coming to work every day. It's like, it's a privilege to get to work and do what we do. Yeah. So, people yeah. ask me all the time, do you have to work next week? And I say, no, I get to go to work next week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because to, it's I'm still excited about every time I go to work. It's That's awesome. amazing. Yeah. That's so friggin' cool. And yeah. how, like, how long have you been doing stunts now? over 40 years like what like that's the dream to be able to say like <laughs> I, see, I that's love what, what it I is do. that was what it was it yeah. was a dream yeah I, i'm a filmmaker in my heart yeah so every day i'm on set i right. learn and i pay attention and i'm having fun totally I, I never use my honey wagon room ever <laughs> yep. you know never i'm always there right i uh yeah i i do <clears throat> i use mine you use yours? <laughs> <laughs> 
That's okay. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 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 you know, if you're a performer, if you're a stunt performer, mm-hmm. you, yeah, you that's use when your it's room. different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you're coordinating and you're, or yeah. second unit directing, whatever, you're always there on set and totally. doing your deal. Yeah. 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 Talk amongst yourselves for a second. <laughs> okay. Coffee. <laughs> but how long have you been doing stunts? How did you get into stunts? I don't know this. Well, I mean, I got in, uh, you know, through through my pops there, yeah. you know. Um, but were you like, hey, I want to do crazy things and drive yeah. cars really fast? Like, how did yeah, that work? Yeah, okay. pretty, kind of, kind of, sort of. Uh, in some regard, uh, it was offered up to me in areas. He would always, you know, I've got this thing coming. You want to learn, you want right. to do it, whatever. And very much, of course, it was a yes. And right. then um, at some point, I actually just took it more seriously. I right. thought about, I thought about, the possibilities of family, you know, building a life yep. and a home and all this other stuff. And I just thought, you know, I got to put away the the beer and whatever, and I got to do this. But I'm in so many other things. Um, I was a very, very active skateboarder yeah. for like my whole cool. friggin' life. And um, beating myself up was like, it was kind of just all a part of it. So yeah. it made a lot of sense to me. I started though in acting. I did a ton of improv. I did stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I did all the everything, directing courses, ri- writing courses, just everything um, throughout my teens and my 20s. And um, stunting, stunting, even to today, I really love it, um, but I am focused on so many avenues. So um, music, writing, um, man, it, it's... Uh, yeah, uh, I, I think I'm getting off topic, but... Um, no, it's good to have so many things, and I think it's important, like, you know, even as filmmakers, you need to have other aspects of your life, you know? Like, you can't just be in film 24-7. Like, that's so insular and so... Well, like, limited. I just, I, feel, I sort of feel like I'm just uh, an entertainer. I like, I love mm-hmm. getting on a mic and, like, saying stuff to everybody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know whether it's going to work or not, but I just love doing it. Right. Um, I love singing and playing guitar, Um I think it's just a thing. I'm exerting energy, and I like pe- making people laugh and right. all this stuff. Yeah. So it all kind of comes with the territory. Totally. In a way, you yeah. know, and even skateboarding in a whole other uh, way, kind of like cheerleading, is creative. Yeah. You know, you're creating different moves and styles and things, right. you know. Um, it, it's not like a regular sport or something. No. It's crazy. You know, it is crazy and yeah. it's creative and you're you're trying to do something that's somebody else has never done. Right. You know, stuff like that. So I am not a all sort of <laughs> plays a role. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry to cut you off. I was gonna say I, I coached at Woodward in um Whoa. it was it for, for cheerleading. And okay. way uh the skateboarding there would be next level in oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. I have a longboard, but I can't like skateboard, I can't, you know, do not, nothing. Um, but watching <laughs> all the tricks and the crazy chaos that would be skateboarding I there, dreamed of going to Woodward. It, it, it's insane. It's like a playground for all the craziest people. So what is is Woodward also for other things? Yes. So Woodward, they actually, weirdly, this past week, they've, um, they're have they putting a pause on their other programs. So they're focusing just back to focusing on uh, skateboarding and um, BMXing scooters, and BMX stuff and like that. Skateboarding, all that stuff. Uh, but mm. I, I was a camper there and then I coached there. So, um, they had wow. cheerleading, power tumbling, gymnastics, um, 
think they had like wakeboarding at one point. They had a cable park. And so they ha- oh wow. So they have sections for all this stuff. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. That, that was one of my favorite places I've ever worked. Like I've my like favorite. I coached gymnastics growing up. I coached skiing growing up. Uh, um, coached cheerleading. I coached at Humber. Um, but I think Woodward is like my favorite place that I've. Wow. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Yeah. That is very cool. Busy lady. Yeah. (laughs) Big time. Yeah. So I guess in some regard, that's just sort of how it happened for me. I had the best teacher in the world. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to, uh, to build a bit of a reputation and, and, and work, uh, full time as a stunt guy. That's awesome. Um, yeah. And I do a lot of stunt actor roles, which is great. I, not, not every stunt guy, uh, act right you know some guy or gal or you know act. there's not a lot yeah. of them exactly. yeah or can yeah. act or yeah. can act you know and i'm i'm pretty confident and i just yeah you're an entertainer i'm an entertainer <laughs> baby I, I, that's, I love it that's yeah. that's it so yeah did you guys uh-huh. talk about music at all a little bit music, yeah. Music, yeah awesome uh, yeah he told, told me which is awesome and I, th- I think it's so important to not just be focused on one thing like mm-hmm. you need to have all these different areas of your life like and um, I'm sure for you, I know the stunt community is so intertwined and, and pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But most of my like closest friends, like my, my one best friend Jackson is a stuntman. And, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of my other friends aren't in film. Which I find to be kind of helpful to my life because I'm like, oh, what is like, what are you dealing with at this point in your life, See, in your career? I've always felt that that wasn't helpful. Like I've, I've always lived out here. And all my friends are just not doing what I do at all. And they probably know me more of uh, like as a stoner who plays guitar <laughs> and a skateboarder, <laughs> right? That's kind of maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, when I go to Toronto and uh, and I'm with all my friends uh, in the industry, uh, a whole different side of me is there. Right. Um, and when I come home, I mean, I love that part about being home that they don't necessarily see what I'm doing on set mm-hmm. and all this. I like that I have friends here that I can relax with and do. You can shut that just off. Just do me, yeah. yeah. Just do me with, but it, I don't necessarily think it's helped my career, though. Well, or interesting. Maybe kept me sane. Maybe you know, but I don't have like a like a particular community other than the stunt industry. But they're but again, they're all over there. Right. I'm over here. You know, it's different. It's yeah. different. I. It's interesting you say like help you with your career because I feel like my my friends who are not in the industry have like kept me i can't remember which one of you said sane like they've kept me sane they've been there for me they've uh, you know i'm i'm really lucky for the people in in my life and that's not to say there's people in in our industry that i like i absolutely love yeah i can't I stand him. jackson <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> oh my gosh he's such a hooligan no he's the jackson's best and, yeah, he's a cool um, guy you know, like I've known him since I was five. We grew up in gymnastics together. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he's very good at what he does. Yeah, and I'm so proud of him. And you got to smile for the photo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's supposed to be candid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um, but yeah, it, but I I think that I've learned so much from my friends and from what they're going through at different times. And I think as a writer, it's also helped, you know, to hear different stories because I think like hmm. I like eat, sleep, breathe film and production every day. Mm-hmm. So like it's kind of nice to not hear about it or not talk about it or you know to ask my friends like what are you watching and they they say like you know some uh, i don't want to be like a yeah do it like a shitty hallmark movie or like so you know yeah, what i mean like, it. i loved it like <laughs> you know and and it's uh and not that hallmarks are you know shitty i as an actor i'm like sure i would like to be on hallmark but 
Um, I love Hallmark like, movies. You know, and there's no shame in that. <laughs> no, there's not. But my film friends would be like, oh my God, but the cinematography, they, you know, they shoot crazy Yeah, but it's so snobbish. Days. Exactly. So then I, I asked my friends, why do you like that? Or why do you like this? Or, you know, they're like, it's just so simple. And I can watch it after a crazy day and I come home and I unwind and I do X, Y, and Z. And I just, it's so... And it, I can identify with some of the heart. Yes. Which I like, hmm. I know that sounds silly maybe to you, but like... When I started Certainly. thinking about it Certainly that does. way, <laughs> but like when I started thinking about it that way, I was like, wow, like it's so easy yes. to, you know, dissect certain projects or like other projects. And when in actuality, it's really hard. Like I think about what Hallmark filmmakers do. They film a feature usually in like t- 12 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's insane. And what they're able to do, turn it around. They have some very, you know, ornate, uh, intense sets, whether it's Christmas or whatever, like. Um, too many decorations it's always christmas but it's so beautiful <laughs> it is but it's too much you know is it i don't know you know so like it but that's it's like it but i think my friends in that in that way it's been so refreshing to have friends that aren't always in the industry because i they offer a different perspective versus if i'm just talking with another producer okay. friend they'd be like yeah. oh well they shot this on that and i'm like well i don't really care like i just want to watch the story so like thank you very much 100 percent. you know well, it's like going out to okay. dinner yeah. so you you can have a a very elaborate dinner Right or or hamburger and fries. Yep. So it it, it depends on your mood True. at that time. Totally. Hundred percent. Totally. So. True. Yeah. I mean, I love movies. I mean, me too. You, you need to tell me a story, and you need to move me in some fashion. Right. If you don't scare me, make me cry, yeah. or laugh. Right. I'm not really interested. It's true. Um, I personally have never seen a lot of the. Well, I've never. I don't watch the superhero stuff. Yeah. Or the car stuff. As, as a stunt guy, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. As a writer, I don't care about blowing stuff up or shooting anybody. Right. Uh, I want to make you cry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or laugh. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I, I sometimes I think about like you go to the theater, let's say, to, uh, to watch a movie and you're going to spend 20 bucks or whatever it is for a ticket nowadays to watch either something like a Shawshank or something like a Hallmark. Yeah. Right? But it's the same amount of money. Except, really, you're not getting the same ride. Mm. You know, uh, if I went to Canada's Wonderland um, and spent the same amount of money um, somewhere else for much smaller roller coasters and much smaller situations and much less fun, you, you would you would be kind of disappointed and you would never go spend your 20 bucks on that again. Now, of course, some people, perhaps that's just what they prefer. That's what they can handle. Maybe they're willing to spend uh, that same amount of money on this uh, lesser version because they don't want to go to that height over here, whatever. But I do have a bit of a, I have an itch. I, I feel like it's a thing because um, at the end of the day, the most valuable thing that anyone can give up is their time. And when it's a movie or a series, um, you know, that's that's hours out of somebody's day. Totally. And some people, their time is less valuable, perhaps, to them in, in the way that they may use it. or so, I don't know. But, uh, you know, if you're not being taken on some kind of emotional ride, if, if you're watching a comedy, whether the story is any good or not, or the ending is well executed or not, if it's made you laugh the entire time. Yeah. then it might have been worth it. Because mm. emotionally, that's what we're working on. I mean, even in life, we're working on our own emotional selves. Yeah. How, how, how can I get through this day with joy, with happiness? 
you know, nobody wants to get through this day with sadness and all no. this, whatever, you know, but, but I think that's just, uh, that's a thing. You know, if you watch a movie for two hours and you get nothing out of it. I feel like you wasted your time. Yeah. What's the sense? What yeah. is the point? I used to never, I used to be like, I'll never walk out of a movie theater. I'll never, you know, on Netflix, I'll just see it through. And now I'm like, no, I'm out. <laughs> like, I, <can't>, like <laughs> I give up. Like, yeah, you know, because it's <clears throat> like, you're watching that to relax. Like, yes, as much, like, Sometimes I'll watch a, a an episode of something as research if I haven't seen a show or a series or a movie, whatever. Mm-hmm. But if I don't like it, why am I watching it? Like, I don't have to do that. So yeah. I, it's that, it, it's so easy now though to just yeah click it off. Yeah, but now I find instead of clicking off and finding something else to watch, I like click it off and I like, go outside. Like it's like made me so I'm like I don't even want to watch this. Like I've got to go. Okay. You know? So it's hmm. it's it's interesting, but. I don't know. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I I'm always going to say yeah, something. Yeah, what were you going to say? <laughs> I don't know. You said something that made me think something. Now it's gone. But uh, that's all right. It's all good. All right, we'll um, just sit here and ponder it for five minutes. Yeah. No, we're, we're, <laughs> well, we're talking. Well, Andrew and I, we chose a movie years ago, Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. and we watch it probably at least once a year. Um, at least. Yeah, at least. Um, and. Um, you know, Andrew will make dinner, make a steak for me, or we'll have spaghetti or something, and we'll sit and watch the movie. But we know it so well, and every time we watch it, we learn something more. You right. see something you didn't see. Um, yeah, totally. For me, it's a great movie, but we dissect it like crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find myself doing that with most films. I mean, I I can enjoy a movie. Like, it's funny because on a Saturday afternoon or whatever, if I'm home alone and right. I watch a Hallmark movie, um, it's it's just uh, candy. It's just it's all, yeah. it's just easy. Right. Yeah. Like you said, it's just easy. Yeah. Um, and I can enjoy a movie, any movie, and like um, thinking um, Forrest Gump. Um, Great movie. another classic. It yeah. is, it is, and um, but there's more to it than what people on the surface see. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and and I can I go deeper into that. But I think uh, but I, I think need to mo- hear a story. Like at the very least, movies like that tend to get the respect that <clears throat> they deserve, right? You know. Um. Well, well the story's been developed. Well, what about um, what I like is that as an executive producer, you're obsessed with the business. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, big studios and this and that are perhaps run by lawyers and, uh, and agencies and uh, marketing and, you know, and not necessarily filmmakers. How often are you running into these people and how often is it a problem or not? I, I mean, I don't really think it's a problem because now that the types of people that I'm interacting with really know what they're doing, <laughs> you know, um, okay. which is, which is awesome. I mean, some days I wish that I had a, a law degree or a business degree because it probably would help me a lot better. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like now I, when I'm bringing a project, like let's say I'm going to a bigger pr- production company or a distributor or a streamer, like i built the creative with the you know the director the creator of the show whatever to get it to a point to be able to pitch it so when i'm taking it to that other place well now it's kind of what's their job what's their you know what can they bring to the table as well so if they are a company that you know was founded by a lawyer and i'm dealing with the lawyer who now runs the company well they have the logistic insight that i don't really have you know okay so i i feel like you know i have 
certain amount now based on experience. Um, but yeah, I'm not really as intimidated. I'm like, okay, how do you see this working? And if how they see it working makes sense to me, or it's also how I thought it was working, then it's probably going to be a good relationship. I see. Did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah, okay. I think that you are answering <laughs> it. I didn't know. Because do these people ever uh, inhibit what you're attempting to do based on their mm-hmm. own desires and their own needs? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily their own desires and own needs, but I had a project uh, with my friend Patrick Maloney, who I love. He's an awesome filmmaker and creator as well. And hmm. um, he... Uh, our show was optioned at a, a, a very like a, a very big company and we were super stoked and we're like oh my god this is it and um we were there for a year and they just never got us and that was really hard because we had great pitch meeting and we we're like oh my god we're on the same page like we want to go to X, you know x y and z like this is where we could see this being and uh we could see this living here and they're like yes totally they optioned us we were really excited and then they slowly started trying to change absolutely everything that our show was. Which is interesting. You have to question why. Yeah. What, what attracted you to this project in the beginning? Mm-hmm. It's really hard. And I, I think like now I really try and think about, okay, who do I like as people? <laughs> who do I want to work with? And I, I often find that that influences my decision. So, you know, we still have really great positive relationships with that company and the people who work at it. Um, but it was really hard. Like, why did you pick us? Why did you take a year for, you know, over a year? for the show where we could have taken it to somewhere else, you know, and now Hmm. him and I have a new show that we're figuring out the agreement at another company, but we're kind of like, Oh, maybe that old show could also be a fit for this company, you know? So it's, it's really hard. I don't know why, you know, I I think that I know for me, there's been times where I'm like, Oh, I really like this. I have no idea how it's going to work. And I really like this creative. So maybe I could option it, but instead of like letting it sit and not go anywhere, I try and, you know, throw spaghetti at the wall and figure out a plan. And if it doesn't work, release them from the option because I think that's maybe that's where the filmmaker thing comes in because I'm a filmmaker first and foremost as well and a, and a performer. So when I deal with other creatives, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be in a situation, you know, like that. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, I can let go of the option or um, at least give you an opportunity to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you learn anything through the process? Um, through that first process? Yeah. Other yeah, than of totally. course. Okay. Yeah, I learned that I don't ever want to not be in the room pitching my own stuff. Like I, I don't want to give, I don't want to give away all of my rights to somebody else to pitch on my behalf. You okay. know, I think that was a big thing for me, and I think not. You just all, don't care about it as much. I, yeah, I don't know if they just don't care about it as much, or they just don't know as much. They, they don't have the passion and the heart that you have yeah. to tell your story. Totally. So it's like. Like for them, it's just they're they're it's business. That's right, and they may just be um, reciting by rote uh, what they've learned about your story. Totally, but it's they're not getting this. Yeah, no. and their their end game is is the what's coming back. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, and if and you know someone you get asked questions and pitches all the time, like oh well, what do you think about this character? You know, doing this or this or that. And they're a yes guy because they want the project to get money and get made. Right. So there's been, you know. That's we, interesting. We had a we had a situation where we, you know, were they, they went into pitch for us and they got asked all these questions. And like, yeah, we totally see this happening and being possible. And we're like, no, <laughs> like not at all. Like, do you not get us? Like, that's the complete opposite of what we wanted, you know. And I think that's just a, it was just a really unfortunate situation, but a great learning experience in the end because you know, we still have our show. We didn't give away our rights. Like, that's the biggest thing. Like, even when I optioned 
for creatives and i'm sure there's other people that might listen to this and be like what do you mean but i don't ever take the rights away from the creative like that's insane that's not mine i didn't think about it so why why should i own that right if i contribute you know substantially then yeah maybe i'm a co-creator and i you know but to take someone else's ip as my like no yeah but there are companies out there uh, yes, yeah, some streaming services are totally. They're going to purchase your IP yeah. now. You know, I've heard where some advice to filmmakers is that in the event that you do pitch to one of these services and they want to buy the art, the IP, yeah, and you're a creative guy, you can come up with more stuff, totally sell it, yeah, and that gets you in that door, totally. And then later you can negotiate that yeah. you're not going to sell your IP. But that's a different situation, you know? Like, I'm sure we've all thought of projects that we're like, oh, this is great. I just want to sell this. Like, I'll just sell this. Right. I don't have to make it, you right. know? But someone else should. That's great. <laughs> you know? Like, I've had so many of those, and I've I've, act- I've sold projects, which is great, and that's also helped with funding different other projects that I am passionate about. Um, but IP is such a tricky game, you know? And they're... That would discourage somebody. It would even discourage you. You know, if somebody... If I'm working on a show that I know that now I don't own, and it was yeah. mine... And I'm writing it, and I'm, what the hell? I feel like that would be so discouraging. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think a little, I mean, I feel like a lot of writers feel that way when they're solely writers, you know. Um, oftentimes, they don't even come to set. You know, you think about a feature, your film's bought. If you don't have another role in the project, you're probably not going to be there. Yeah, well, a feature film is a director medium, so yeah. the writer's not necessarily totally. there. But in television, writer, producer. They're always they're, there. Yeah. yeah. So you talked about a series. Mm-hmm. Um I was going to ask about that, uh, you know, with series being so massive now yeah. in comparison to features. Mm-hmm. Um, That's do you feel compelled to move on to that because of that? Or is it just something that, you you know, this sounds great. I just think I want to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like series I, do. Yeah. They are awesome. I, I really want to, like, I love features. I love being with a project, you know, start to finish all that fun stuff. And you're more contained in the feature world. Um, but I think for me, I, I want to do TV and I want to get into producing TV. I've sold TV, which has been great, but I just haven't been able to get it greenlit yet. Um, so hopefully for the new year, that's my yep. goal. But, yeah. um, yeah, I have a project that's been at CBC for two years and we're just going through our final round of development. Who knows what'll happen there? Um, hmm. Ex- explain that for the anyone that's listening what's the development, pro- uh, development process? process yeah of what you're talking about right there totally so it, it's uh i've had <clears throat> a few different rounds of development for different companies so it can be anything from an option to a shopping agreement so a shopping agreement is where that you um which i don't think i would necessarily enter again but you uh <laughs> <laughs> you uh give the opportunity for another company to shop your project around to distributors or to streamers or whatever an option agreement is where they own the rights for however amount of time usually it's around a year eight months to a year and a half um to try and develop the project further so during that time when they're optioned and put into development um They'll have different deliverables for you. Sometimes it's a paid development. Uh, it should be. You know, I'm in paid developments now, but I think, um, you know, even five years ago, Canada was really behind on doing paid development. You know, they would option things and just expect you to work on it without being paid. Um, that's changed, frankly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know? um, so, you know, and some of the, like, the deliverables with CBC, like we, uh, we had to write, we had to do a sizzle to kind of execute what we wanted to do. Uh, We had to do two scripts for our writers, and now we're in the process of hiring a story editor um, who I'm really stoked about, and and they're going to do a pass on that, and then we go from there. 
So it, it's different every time. It could also be like packaging your project is a huge part of development. Like who who do you want on your team? Mm-hmm. Are you open to having a writer's room or do you want it just to, you know, are you going to write everything you're on your own? Um, so you're just kind of fine tuning the project and also like keeping the creative integrity while somehow finding a way to mesh with whatever company you're at. Yeah. Interesting. Sounds really easy for all those young filmmakers out there. Yeah. Easy I mean, peasy. they tell you what they tell you <laughs> what they want. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know. Of course. So, and then from there, you're like, okay, well, like, how much is that going to cost? You know, I I didn't know all this stuff. I asked questions, and you know, I had an idea in my head of what we should, you know, pay our writers. And CBC is like, well, we have an agreement with WGC Writers Guild of Canada, uh-huh. uh, so we have to pay even non-union writers. WGC rates and I was like well that's expensive (laughs) you know and but I was like okay so then we redid the budget and we resubmitted it like there you know I think that also goes back to the cold emailing and knowing that you're probably going to fail at stuff like I don't know everything I'm never going to know everything you know so just kind of being like okay what do I have to do and then listen to them and then go do the thing and then hopefully it you know moves forward yeah being an athlete I just you know do what you have to to get the skill and then you go compete absolutely yeah and you have to do it every day. Yeah, you do. Yep. It's wicked. Hmm. Yeah. Andrew's over <laughs> here. Very <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, damn, yeah, I got, I'm learning something. Um, no, so cool. Um, all right, great. Can you talk about your series at all? Uh, yeah, it's called Ran and Jaden. So it's a satirical take on the gay millennial experience from the R and, R and J? Uh, Ran and Jaden, R and J, yes. But Ran and Jaden. Uh, and uh, it's yeah the gay millennial experience through the eyes of two best friends and they started as a sketch comedy group and putting their stuff on YouTube and when I was at TO Webfest someone was like hey have you have you seen these guys they submitted for the festival this year Hmm. don't think they're a fit based on you know um, not their right their writing was amazing but like the the quality of work but I think there's something here anybody want to take a look at them and I was like me and I, cause I, everyone else had, you know, were working at larger companies or, um, you know, um, doing some really cool things. And I was like, I, I just want to meet more creators. And I met with them and, um, just really liked them and continued to work with them. And then, um, you know, they were still pumping out content and reached out to CBC and, um, they, they took us on. So I'm, I'm excited. It's been like a long time and COVID really deterred us. You know, we, got put into development February 2020. And I was like, yeah, oh this is God. it. And then, um, you know, the wow. world was a dumpster fire. So <clears throat> wow. really excited for that to move forward. Amazing. Yeah. Very cool. Um, but you made a short during COVID. I did. I made two. So, how, did, how did you go? How did you navigate that? Everybody wore masks in the show? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the first one I did was Disconnected. I actually shot a lot during COVID, as I, I know you guys did too. Um and I felt like there was such a big divide between like the big shows were absolutely able to get back to filming and back back to work. Yeah, um, totally. But the independent filmmakers really were, I think, hit harder in some aspects because totally. it's so expensive, you know. And um, a couple of shows we did do did drop. You yeah, know, yeah, they for did. Sure. But, but we did a show that spent nearly three million dollars in testing. Totally. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it's it was interesting to see like some other friends, you know, I have friends that are intimacy coordinators and their budgets were dropped and they were off of shows and their money was reallocated to COVID, you know, and scenes wow. were rewritten. And that was like, you know, interesting instead of being given more what, money. What a shame. It is, you know. That you had to alter your story. Yep. 
to be able to afford to test your cast. Totally. Your and your crew and keep people safe. Wow. It's insane. And especially, it's fascinating to me. Like, I, I took this course, like, early on in the pandemic. So it wasn't the official, like, a COVID officer course, but it was through, it's actually for Boy City, which is a feature I have that's going to come out later this year. Um, and it's directed by Sean Cisterna. It's really funny. Um, and uh, I took a course so that I could be able to administer our own tests for our cast and crew <laughs> based on our actual requirements um, because wow. that saved us, you know, that was minimum. A COVID PA is like 400 a day and mm-hmm. then a nurse on top of that and then a COVID officer plus all the COVID materials. And um, since I was an incorporated company, was able to get all of the testing kits for free. This is incredibly so, impressive. Yeah, you know, so it saved is, yeah. us a lot of money. So as an independent filmmaker, you know, we're saving thousands of dollars to our budget. Um, and so that was kind of, that was pretty hectic because that was a, a, you know, that was a full feature. You know, we shot um, in three weeks, but still, you know, we were up in Aurelia um, and I'm testing people in the hotel lobby. Like, and it, you know, we still, wow. didn't, we still didn't know what, you know, what anything we didn't know what were you know the the potential consequences of that or whatever and um anyways um, so you shot in aurelia so are you able to take uh advantage of the northern tax credits in aurelia is that so it's not part of the the official like 50 percent, but we were able to get the same uh tax credit as hamilton okay all right yeah you can't just so just stepping outside the city is a big difference Totally. Saved us so much money. And then for my short with hmm. COVID, um, I shot that prior to the feature. So we were still, I wrote it in uh, quarantine, shot it in lockdown. It was myself, my DP, my sound recordist, and Jackson Rosario. <laughs> and um, I was like, hey guys, like I have the short. It's going to be a one day, like, you know, and we were all up in Collingwood. I was like, would you mind coming over? We can test. You can wear masks. Like I have a bunch of hand sanitizer. Like I just want to shoot something. <laughs> And, and, you know, they were like, yeah, so they quarant- we each quarantined for a couple days before, and then they came over and um, shot it, shot the short one day, and um, kind of just wrote it, or kind of did it just to see if I could do it, to write, direct, produce, and act all in, in one go, and it went really well, and I'm really lucky for them, you know, to be my, my teammates on it, and mm-hmm. then we premiered at Mammoth Film Festival and went to a couple others, and then premiered on CBC TV uh, end of last month, and are now on CBC Gem. So that was like a weird little COVID project that ended up like I, to be honest, the bar was set pretty low. <laughs> I was like, I just want to film it. And then, you know, it's. How long is it? it huh. It's eight minutes. So it's, you know, it's short, easy to watch. Yeah. Um, and then I wrote another one called Memory Lane, which was a little bit more labor intensive. But so I directed, wrote, produced, started that and tested all of our casting crew. That's crazy. <laughs> that was what Kim did. Kim. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. how we met. I can't stand him either. Oh my God. He's, <laughs> ugh. I'm obsessed. What a loser. Yeah. So not talented at all or anything no, like that. No, he's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. An unfunny guy. Oh, yeah. not funny. Not easy can't, to get along with. Not Can't sing, can't act, yeah. can't do everything. Certainly he's not just, a good looking guy. No, not well, at all. And he can't draw. Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that so annoying? He's like the coolest, most creative person I know. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's so cool. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah, can't stand him. <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah creating during covid i mean i'm grateful now that things have really turned around and they've changed and um i mean we're still in it but you know it it feels more accessible now and it feels like people know the drill it's not there's like it's like okay we just got to do this to keep doing the stuff that we love to do yeah it's lessening yeah it's going away yeah which is nice wow i I wore a mask um yesterday for the first time in months yeah on set 
and I, I don't really, I don't, I don't care. Like, I've never been. I'm like, yeah, if I have to wear a mask so that I get to do the stuff that I love, yeah, I'll wear a friggin' mask. Like, I don't really. No, like, I, yeah, we're kind of like the. <laughs> we're, 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 yeah, I, I'm just yeah. gonna go with the flow, right? But I mean, yeah. la- last year the the COVID tests alone uh, managed to pay my year in bills. Right, like, it was <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, but I mean. Although that's beautiful on my end, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like on your end. So, yeah. and you're you like, know. I have to pay people to get a swab up their nose that everyone is experiencing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, for me, it's driving into Toronto just to do that. I yeah. have to. I have to mess with my day to go to go do that. Yeah, it, totally. it takes our day, and it's yeah. kind of weird. Yeah. You know, totally. it's a bit like a wardrobe session or a, totally or whatever. Yeah. You know, so strange. We're gonna admit, we're gonna miss it. You're gonna miss it. Yeah, Aww. I think yeah. I'm gonna swab. <laughs> I'm gonna just swab my nose just yeah. oh, no. for the nostalgia. <laughs> oh my god. Um, do you um, now that you've done the acting, directing, producing, writing mm-hmm. all at once? Yeah. Oh. Um, it's one thing for a short. Do you think it would be another if you were doing a feature? Uh, I mean, I hope to do a feature doing that too. Yeah. So. Um, Grace, I will act in, but probably a smaller role, especially because my first feature feature, you know, I've produced a lot of features, but to be in it, to direct a feature, I think that's just going to be a little too, a little too hectic for me. And, but I, I would love TV wise to create and star in my own show and write and produce. And yeah, Yeah. I can see, I can see me doing that. Um, Somehow that seems like a little bit easier than a feature. I don't know how or why, but in my head, I'm like maybe there's more people involved, so it's a better, stronger team. Like I don't know. It seems maybe. more accessible. I, don't, I, don't know. I have no idea. We'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'm trying to figure that out because the TV series is a longer process, mm-hmm. and it's a continuing thing and a changing thing, right? As opposed to the singular story yeah. of a of a feature. And if you can't yeah. stand at the monitor as a showrunner, or you know, I mean, and you're because you're up there doing your crying scene. Yeah, you know, it's true. You I really mean, have to trust somebody. Yeah, to, yeah. You have to. Uh, or you watch to, playback. My my short. I ball my eyes out. My short, and I, I like ran back. And Jackson's like, "Are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm acting." Like, you know, like, <laughs> you know? like it's um, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I guess it's something I have to really percolate and that's think interesting. on. Interesting, mm-hmm. but yeah, but that is that's the dream. That is very that you know that's very cool. Yeah. So that's what I hope to do. Fingers crossed. Yeah. yeah, right on. Well, there's a lot of people that do it. It's true. Why, it's true. Why? Why, why can't? Why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my my friend, I um, I had a, another COVID project. It was a, a podcast, um, Ooh. but it's called Workhorse Show Pony, and I haven't stuck with it. I need to get back. You guys have inspired me. But my <laughs> my friend Rocky, um, she's really cool. We met doing another web series, and she manages Rupee Core, who's a poet. And um, on our conversation, she said. Uh, you know, everybody else is doing it. Why can't it be me? And that's been something that's like stuck with me the whole time. Even cold emailing or pitching people like, right. why, why can't why it be me? me? Like, why mm-hmm. can't it be you or you? Like, Films are made by people. Yeah. I'm, I'm just one of those people. And I'm capable and, you know, I have a, a, a brain and I have a vision. Like, why? Totally. You know, work hard, yeah. be nice to people and like, why not you? <laughs> you know, so. So the, fir- the, the hardest part, it, I mean, arguably would be finding the funding to make a movie. So you're a really creative writer. Mm-hmm. You make you write a script. You're a really creative director, however that came about. You're a really creative actor. Teach the young people who are listening to this right mm-hmm. now how to approach an investor 
and get them to invest in your film. Totally. I think the hardest part is actually just getting started. It's writing that script or finding that project or finding that director. So I think if I, you know, for someone that wants to be a young producer, well, you can't pitch stuff if you don't have material. So go find material. And then if you're like, okay, well, what's, what's next? Like how it's, you know, do we really need a, a specific DP for this project? Okay. Bring them on. Like, how can I strengthen this project so that someone says yes and they don't say no, or even if they say maybe. And then from there, like be like, okay, and then figure out how much it's going to cost. Don't go to an investor without a budget. Like that's insane. Like I was pitched yesterday on a project and the, they literally pitched me a $15 million movie, which is great. Awesome. Not out of my scope. You know, um, the next project I'm working on is eight and a half, which is a, a big jump for me, but you know, 15, Stellar. yeah, 15 is coming and I'm excited for that. Um, but their project's not 15 million. It's not going to take $15 million to make their project. It's like a female-driven uh, indie that could be shot in like five locations, and it doesn't even have ten cast. So they just came up with. They a just number. said fifteen million, and I was like, "Where did you come up with fifteen million? Have you done a budget?" And they're like, "No." Well, then how do you know it's fifteen million? <laughs> fifteen million is a lot. Of, that's a lot of money. You know, like could you shoot this for two point? You know, can you shoot this for two million? Like, could you shoot this for five? Could you shoot it maybe for seven fifty? Like, I don't know. Um, so I would say figure out your budget. What are the true costs to make that? And there's so many easy ways to figure that out. You know, you can go to actors website, figure out, you know, what is a daily rate? Um, and then from there you can figure out, go, it's not called CPAT anymore, but I still call it CPAT. Um, the crew rates, um, commercially, you know, cause I don't, IOTC is super expensive. Mm. Um, and you know, if you don't feel like you can afford that at that point, go get those other rates that they use for commercials and then use that to kind of base your, your numbers on. Or if you have a friend that's a in, you know, in IOTC, be like, what do you get paid as, in a day? Okay. Well, maybe I can't afford 800, but like maybe I could budget for 600. Okay. Put it in there. Like, you know, or toss a little dough to a production manager friend, a line producer. It, but if say, you don't know anybody, well, that, I guess that's true. I didn't know a line producer in the right. beginning. Like I was my own line producer. And luckily like I, um, had kind of had different businesses and, um, knew how to do a budget, but I didn't know how much things cost. I didn't know anyone that was a line producer. Right. And so my first time working with a line producer, they weren't actually like the best line producer. So I learned more about what not to do than what to do, which can probably a good thing. Yeah. It can be really valuable as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, in terms of pitching an investor, like find other projects or for, for me, it was kind of like, okay, this person invested on this project. Like, was this, you know, from a production company that was also a financier? Like, I go a little meticulous with my research because no, you have to. That's great. You know, um, and be like, oh, they make films. Oh, they fund female-driven thrillers. Well, that's what I'm doing. Wonder if they would like this. Like, oh, okay. Like, go on their website, read about them, or, you know, research the projects that they've done. Um, and if it's a fit, email them and say, hey, I really liked what you did on, you know, I don't know, the Randy Butcher, Harvey, uh, Harley, whatever, Butcher bar thing, you know, <laughs> and like, uh, I'm just like looking around at all no, the stuff here. Nobody can see the room. That's Oh, funny. they can't see the room. No. There's all this cool stuff we'll in the room, us. you know, and like, but you know, I love that. And I, I, I have a scene where, you know, the, the, the lead girl rides down on Harley, you know, through the Adirondacks. It's so beautiful. Like, I think it would be a fit. I'd love to pitch you. Like, I gotta make a note on that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like find something to connect, like not just be like, Hey man, I want your money or like, Hey girl, I want your money or Hey them, you know? Um, so I, I think 
finding the investor that's a fit for you because there's tons of people that have money doesn't mean you want to work with them yeah you know so or they that they want to work with you so finding that common ground and really doing your research and being like okay this film was made for a million there are only you know four investors on it or even hit up the director and be like hey i really liked your film i think it's really cool i'm trying to do something too did you do that privately like private investors equity did you do bridge financing like how did you get it made just ask you know, we're like, there's this idea that there's like scarcity of work, but it's not true. You know, we're all working and we all have something different to offer. So why right. not ask people how they got it done? So now, now hmm. describe what bridge financing is. You said it. So I, yeah. So bridge financing to get you through a certain amount of whether it's production um, before you make your first sale. So let's say like uh, on another feature that I did last year, um, we knew that it was going to take us about 350000 to get us through from pre to the end of production. And then thinking about post, we didn't have our finishing funds, but we knew that that was what it was going to take. And we were dependent on a certain time of year to shoot. And we're like, okay, we can get through this and shoot. And then, you know, um, we had an investor pull out. So went to RBC and got bridge financing, which was basically a loan in order for us to be able to finish the film and then sell it and make our money back and then be able to pay off that. So it's like to, you know, bridge between two opportunities. Right. I knew, but I needed I you know. to tell them. I know you know. <laughs> I didn't know. Thank I know you for that. You had, you, had a, you had a glimmer in your eye. I was like, oh my gosh, here that we go. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. That is. That is so good. Um, wow. But again, didn't know that until I asked. And I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, you know, ask people or there's, you know, great groups and great outlets or, you know, the I need a producer fixer group on Facebook. I, I know it can get a little oversaturated, but... There's been times when I've posted in there on Inc. Canada and been like, I don't know what to do. Has anyone experienced this? You know, because people want to help each other. But if you don't ask, you're not going to learn. So there's a producer fixer on Facebook. Is that what you said? Yeah. So it's called I Need a Producer Fixer, I think, Crew Edition. There's one in the U.S. Oh, I think I'm yeah, on that. Yeah, we're on that. I'm pretty sure you're both on that. Yeah. Thanks for recognizing. Because, <laughs> because um, you know, we do, you, you say, ask the questions. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of young people don't know the questions to ask. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, things get off to the side. It's kind of. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point too. Like, I think everyone's so afraid of looking dumb or looking stupid, and I know I have at certain points in my life too. But well, the most people do look dumb. Yeah, but like, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think it's okay, <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, but no, <laughs> it you got to learn. But yeah, we have to get better with being dumb. <laughs> and yeah, like, don't, like, totally. Don't be dumb. But like, you know. Uh, I, like I think, don't call it the, like the cheerleading thing. Thank you. That would like. That, like <laughs> That's bit, really I, wrong. I'm screaming internally. <laughs> 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 but like, you, you know, it's okay not to know things. And how are you going to know things if you don't ask? Like suddenly what we're like, you finish high school and, and you're just expected to know absolutely everything. Right. No. Like that's not true. That, no, not at all. So, you know, to, to ask for help, it should be something that's celebrated and rewarded versus um, looked down upon, I feel like, even though we say it's not looked down upon, but people are like, oh my God, like, I'm going to be such an idiot if I ask this question. How do I not know this? And it's like, well, how would you know it? Exactly. <laughs> like, I didn't know it, <laughs> you know? That is literally the opposite of the saying, uh, fake it till you make it. I think there are things that you can fake it till you make. Mm-hmm. you know but i think admitting there's more power in admitting when you don't know something yeah you know absolutely and most people that. are willing to teach totally. most people they're so into themselves into what they know sure they, they're really hey yeah i'll help you because uh 
They want to. They well, want to. you know, and, and your own knowledge isn't valuable to the next person who knows that knowledge too. So, it's a, it's a, you know, teaching somebody, you actually do feel valuable right? in who Absolutely. you are. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it makes sense because you're kind of giving a gift to somebody. It's you know? true. And like, you know, it might sound silly right now and I'm not where I want to be, but if I can help someone learn you know half of what i you know didn't know now maybe they can go forward and, and be better and, and do better and our industry grows in a different way like that sounds kind of i don't know if that sounds too far-fetched but like I, i'd rather save people the hours of time and the google searches that i did if that helps them and they get to their work faster but you even know? if you do help 20 people in your life mm-hmm. uh there's uh 120 of them trying to get that information yeah. You know, it's really hard. You know, unfortunately, Google's and all that stuff, sort of, it's a great thing that we have it. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, you don't become who you are without it, really. Yeah. So it is nice that you're giving back. Uh, but there, you know, there's so many people out there with so much passion. And, and it is hard to find someone like you. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe not. I you don't know. know maybe there's going to be 120 people. Yeah, there is now. Yeah, right. But I think it's it's hard. There might be people with passion, but there's not necessarily people with drive. Like I don't think there's people that are gonna actually email. What's you know that I love that. Mm. Yeah, I love that because you know living here, we have a lot of friends who are not in the business. I call them civilians, right? (laughs) They're just out there. But you'll be. It's it's. um, You're asked all the time. Can you help me get in the business? Can you? Can you? You know, they used to tease me when I was younger, but now they all want to be a part of it. It's kind of weird. Um, But uh, honestly, knowing them or whoever they are as well as I know them, they could never sustain. It's just not, you have to have a filmmaker's heart, passion to sustain this industry. Mm -hmm. You work 16-hour days. Um, Like my friends get work from 9 to 5. What do you do with the rest of your day? Yeah. (laughs) I don't even get it. But I mean, you got to be into what you're doing. Totally. Well, that's my you gotta point. You got to love what you yeah. do. I mean, yeah. You know, just sit. I mean, there have been times, though, when I've met somebody who would be a great stunt performer. Mm-hmm. Never thought about it ever in their life. Didn't even yeah. know that it was a thing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or that they just didn't even think about it. Oh, yeah, I guess somebody does that. Right. And when you suggest it to them, uh, a spark might light. They kind of go, wow. You know, I never even thought about that and and you know that happens yeah that, that and it does but the drive thing that you mentioned yeah. because if you don't have the passion in the first place um it's really cool to get that first job it's really cool to go to set and watch how its movies are made and you go home and say you wouldn't believe what they put into get, making a minute of film totally. um but you have to go back the next day then you have to get the third job yeah. And get the sixth job and the eighth job and buy get a mortgage and buy a house and get a car. Yep. And convince the banker that what you're doing, it's way easier to go get a job. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. And it's hard because there's so. no stability. You don't know. You know, you have an idea in your head. You're like, okay, I need to do this, this, and this. And there's other skills. Like I know, like, worst case scenario, knock on wood, um, you know, but like I can go be a production manager or I can, there's other skills in the industry that I could do if I had to pick up day, day jobs mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more stable or go, you know, to prove to the bank that I had some sort of stability, but I don't want to do that. Like I want to keep doing what I'm doing. But even a production manager is a contract. Yep. It's a, you know, you're a contract player. Yeah. And when that movie's over, 
Yeah. You have to convince the bank manager that there's another one coming because you're really good at what you do. But there's something to be said about the survival aspect of it all. I mean, it is kind of like, that's what I feel like. It's, I I don't rely on the fact that I have a job next week. Yeah. I rely, I, every day I feel like it's like a survival. Every morning I'm like, okay, how am I going to make money? (laughs) How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to continue doing what I love to do? Right. You know, every single day. Um, But don't you love it? Yeah, and I do. But but that at the end of the day is what makes it so rewarding. Yeah. So worth it. So future. Do you have an idea? Do you have an outlook? Do you have a very specific <laughs> something? In terms of what I want to do? Yeah, because you yeah. mentioned or mentioned earlier mm-hmm. that you're not where you want to be. Yeah. I mean I wanna be on big uh, do bigger budgets and bigger projects okay. and I love what I'm doing and I'm not like in a crazy rush. And I think because I, I fast track so much of my life, like, you know, finished school at 16, went to U of T at 16, and then started my company at 21. Like, I think... She's doing it again. Um, She's bragging. Braggers. I'm not bragging. They're just, <laughs> no, no. They're just facts. You okay? don't no, no. get used to my humor Thank in time. You. No, it's beautiful. I love it. You know, but like, that's something too. Like, I was just on this like expedited process and I was like, okay, what's next? Yeah. And I had a really good friend um, say to me, like, you're at the time, I was only 23, and he's like, you're 23 years old. Like, go live your life. What are you doing? Like, why are you always working? Why are you, you know? And I'm grateful because like the, I would, you know, miss a lot of big moments or like miss things with my friends to to work. And I don't regret it because I'm grateful and I've learned so much. But now I think I value that time even more. So I think. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. Yeah, like moving forward in terms of like my, my future, I, I just want to work on projects that I'm really passionate about and not necessarily like, yeah, we all need to make money and make a paycheck, but um, I need to be more um, selective in what I choose to do and what I choose not to do. Um, yeah, regardless of what the project you're doing, you're still making the money. Yeah, yep. You know, somebody pitches 20 shows and you pick three. Right. Or yep. pick two of your own. You're still doing the same thing. Totally, totally. And just making sure I'm really passionate about it. I think down the line, like I would love to have a studio someday. Like I think that would be really great, you know, for Canadian filmmakers to yeah. actually, yeah, because you know, obviously we we have all, you know, we have seven 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 and all all these great great places, and um, you know, but I don't see a lot of Canadian shows in them. You know, there's a there's it's really hard for a lot of Canadian projects to get into a studio and a studio that's not super far and something something's a little more accessible don't you think that in america when they when they make movies they don't care whether it's american or not they just want to shoot a big fucking movie and here in canada we just really want to represent canada what is that with beavers and i don't know if we want to represent well you know you talk oh you mean with telefilm and making it canadiana yeah totally i don't know man you know does that yeah the film industry is global Right. It, it, your audience is now global. Totally. You don't have to tell a story about a um, a fisherman in Newfoundland. I'm sorry, no offense to Newfoundland, to be Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Like, just tell a story for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. It's true. And I, I think the other thing to think of is I, I look at the top 10 artists in so many different mediums, whether it's film or TV or music, the majority of the top people are Canadians. But what did they have to do? They had to leave in order to be successful, to return and be welcomed home. And so I I think for me, that's something that I'm really still trying to figure out and dissect because I don't want to leave. You know, like I I truly, I love it here. My family's here. My friends are here. Yeah, absolutely. It's a point where you almost, you have to leave in order to grow 
and get greenlit in LA and then come back and shoot your projects at home. It's it's, it's <laughs> like, such it's a shame. So ridiculous. Yeah. I believe in the Wizard of Oz concept in that if you can't make your dreams come true in your own backyard, they may not be worth making. Interesting. See, I, I don't want to go to, I never wanted to go to LA yeah. and live yeah. because my family's here, my friends are here. The yeah. passion that made me want to be a filmmaker is here. Right. Um, why would I want to go there and be by myself? I'm a writer and I need to live. I if I would miss my friends. Totally. I, so that's why I'm still here. Yeah. Um, I make a great living. You know, I, I my my dream has come true a hundredfold. Totally. Um, but oh, you said something. My see, my head starts to swirl when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, it's so important to be here. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's important to be doing what you want to do. I applied to go to a. You know, a, if that means. I applied to go to flying. a school. That's true. Well, no, we, I'll fly anywhere. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Um, the um, I applied to go to a, a Canadian film school, and as a writer, yeah. and submitted a screenplay as part of my application. Yeah. And what I got back was that it was an American story, and thank you very much. And I didn't get to go, and now I lecture there every year. It's not crazy. Yeah. It's so insane. I like. Yeah, I don't even get it. I, I don't understand how people can discredit that entirely. I know. It's weird. And do you yeah. walk back there and you're like, <laughs> no. like that's what I, I mean. never bring it up. It's, I, don't, I don't care. Really? It's a hundred yeah. years ago, right? But it, it's interesting. I like don't think of myself like as vindictive or any of that, but I, I got the opportunity to or was asked to speak for International Women's Day at my high school. And um my drama teacher told me that I wasn't artistic and I wasn't creative and that I probably shouldn't pursue the arts. <laughs> and then my gym teacher, who used to be my volleyball coach, uh, the year that my first year on Team Canada and the year we, we won, she told me I wasn't that athletic and that uh, I wasn't a team player and that I probably should not play volleyball anymore. Oh, Jesus. I mean, I don't like... What I, I don't I like volleyball like I play it you know uh, on the beach with my friends having some white claws but like it's not you know wasn't my dream yeah. um, but it's just so interesting that there are people who will knock you down a peg and tell you that you're not something and then you do your your whole life is that I had a you know? I had a counselor that told me that acting is there's Hard. no way yeah and I and I and they said do you have like a backup and I said comedian. <laughs> And I went, hey, Andrew, you're not taking this seriously. And I said, director. Yeah. I said, NBA basketball player. Yeah. I said, I said everything else. They yeah. didn't want to hear it. Totally. Um, yeah. And I've dealt with that as well. And it's like, who who are you to tell someone that? Like, there's, you know, like I understand there's a time and a place or there, there's exceptions to the rule. But if someone is, not, it's not like you're, it's a pipe dream and you didn't write the script and you're like, I'm going to be a writer. And someone's like, do you journal or have you written anything? And you're like, no, just in my head. Then I would be like, Okay, well, maybe write a script. Yeah, you know? there are people but defying even there, their stuff that, every that's day. That's constructive criticism. Yeah, it's not putting that person down. Totally, and to discredit you and be like it's an American story. Who cares? It's a good story. You can change it from American to Canadian. People do it all the time. Yeah, people change genders on I wouldn't have, for roles. But yeah. <laughs> I'm teasing. You know, but if like I I I just switched to a new agent. She was telling me the story of how they were one of the first agencies to start submitting women for for male roles. And they got a few um, casting directors and, and directors and writers to change the role from being a, a male cop to a female cop. And like, you know, like yeah. that, why not? I don't know. That's... I love that. Yeah, but yeah. It, it takes a couple of creative minds to just put yeah. some things together. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Now, Mariah, we are going to slowly close up. We're going to continue to talk for a little bit. But while we're doing it, you need to sign the table. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yes. Okay. So. Are you, you going to toss this over to me? Yes. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. I, my toss is terrible. Okay. Can, um, you, anywhere, if you, anywhere. If you want, you can draw something. Can I draw something? Oh. I, draw, I draw stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you can take up a whole section if you want. Oh, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can hear well, you. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay. Are you going to keep talking to me while I do this or no? No, we're going to watch you. Oh, well, I'm yeah, not sweating. anymore. <laughs> this is where we often say that people listening to the podcast, what they're hearing is the big Sharpie scraping across Probably. the table. Yeah. And then we get to describe what's being drawn. And, uh, yeah. I love, looks like I love what I'm seeing so far. So far. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's <hilarious. laughs> uh, For anyone... Well, for everyone that can't see this, um, Mariah's now drawing. That looks, honestly, that looks really close. The, the three of us. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cute. I like it. So did you study art? Um, no, but I've always loved, well, actually, that's kind of a lie. I mean, uh, I took art classes. Like, yeah. I love art and cartooning, and my dad, like, loves cartooning, and I always had a sketch pad, and mm-hmm. um, uh, I can't. I feel like I, I can't talk and do this at the same time. I don't want to mess it up. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead. This is how it usually ends up. Oh, really? It's like silence. For, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've always loved cartooning. And I, I think, um, you know, that this past year, I also lost a nail on the way over here. I'm very sorry. Um, yeah, okay. you better be sorry. I noticed. I, uh, it wasn't our yeah, fault. Really? I noticed. And the whole time, I'm distracted. Noticed, honestly, it's been, it's been driving me nuts. Yuck. Yeah, oh, my God. I, I know. It's oh. <laughs> irritating. Um, anyways. Um, but yeah, I... I I love cartooning. It's kind of like a, a creative outlet I have that I don't get paid for, which yeah. is fun. So um, got to do a couple, like I did some custom porch signs this year for Halloween for, I did one for my mom and for some of my friends and um, I always make cards. And oh, that's great. That's, yeah. fun. that's fun. So they're fun. Do you guys have a creative outlet that you do that you don't make money on or you don't want to make money on? Um, well, I don't know. I don't know. Skateboarding and then uh, maybe draw. Like, you know, I draw too, I guess all the time, but uh, I don't. Andrew's younger sister, um, Randy Lee is an art director in the film business. Oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah very good. At she, what she just does. did the Chevy Chase and uh, the Goosebump thing up. Yeah. Oh. Who else is in it? Uh, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. It's fun. Just, just hey, in case. Got, what we got? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. yeah, those are headphones. Yeah. I wonder I why. Do. They look like earmuffs right now. <laughs> work it kind of looks like we're it, it kind of looks like we're um outside skiing but that's okay <laughs> yeah the, they look like toques a little bit yeah uh, i like it uh, and, i like it and, and yeah keep going it's great <laughs> <laughs> and you still have to sign it so oh great we'll be here another half hour um so <laughs> do, 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 do you guys have a uh, a dog or do you like well we, we sort of do what do you mean you sort of? Well, no, well, we had a 15-year-old little guy. He, we oh. had to put him down a month ago. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah, thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I was going to draw my dog on Breaks it. Breaks our heart. Yeah, you draw your dog. Her name's Mammoth. Please. You would love her. Okay, those were starting out as nipples. Okay, I see. Way to make it weird, Andrew. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, be, had you not mentioned the dog... I would have questioned it myself. Yeah. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 
is mammoth. This is in my this is in my best work, okay, guys. Yeah. No, but I'm guessing I'm guessing mammoth's a big dog. She's yeah, she's ninety pounds. She's a German Shepherd lab mix. Oh, nice. Yeah, the rescue tried to tell me she was a golden retriever. That was really interesting. Oh, yeah. Weird. Yep, and that she would be sixty pounds. Well, it's not true. Jeez, what yep. a surprise. Yep, yep. I love her very much. That's so good. Um, do you guys drink beer? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna put a beer in my hand. <laughs> yeah, well I didn't I didn't, I didn't Actually we drink scotch. Yeah, so if, if, oh, well, you're if you're looking at the uh our logo is at the logo, glasses. yeah, it's got a we got little scotch glasses there. Yeah. Yeah, look at that. Ooh. Our logo is gonna change now. <laughs> I see a new t shirt coming. Yeah, look at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I hear the Sharpie scratches. Yeah. Everybody yeah. listening on. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. Some podcast. <laughs> oh, that was great. What do we got? Thanks there for having go. me. Oh, you got you called us cool. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, I have to finish it. Love it. Um, yeah, yeah. Finish my beer like I finish my beer. There you go. You kind of look a little drunk. I have you on the side there. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, you know, not far from the tree. No. Yeah, it's so good. That's awesome. Had we had you here a little later, we might have offered you beers and and tequila. Not at 10 in the morning? Well, you know, we could have. You know, (laughs) we should have, maybe. I don't know. Cool. When you come back. Right, thanks we'll do the so white much. claws. Thanks so much for coming. Thank you, guys. You are awesome, and thank you for having me. It was really awesome to meet you, finally. Yeah, yeah, ditto. It's awesome. And you're so cool, so hopefully we get to work together. Um, 100%. Yeah, I will keep listening. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that thank the moment uh, we stop. The moment we're done. <laughs> yeah. Woohoo. No. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah, thank you so much thank for you. coming on Going Again. Yeah, you're incredible. Woo-hoo. Love it. So are you guys. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, cut it, D.